Baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time? Think about your reputation. Trying to meet an expectation. I gotta get more gals on my show. It's a fucking sausage party. Get Molly. You love her. Should awesome. I? Yeah, tell me what I you gotta know. get more. Get some gals. Go live. Go live. Go live. Hey, gals. Do you have commercials? Do you add your commercials on later? Uh, How do you do the commercials? I, this one doesn't really have any commercials. I mean, I do a Squarespace thing, but that's not due till next month. Okay. And, you know, uh, sure design T-shirts, but I think we should throw to Duncan for that because he's the master. Just sure. we'll both, throw both of them. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we Whatever can, you want to do. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, so, we'll do your Squarespace now. They'll appreciate it. That's for sure. I'll yeah. introduce you. Definitely. Okay. Introduce Tell me where it's my, and by the way, it's my birthday. We can oh, make is this it really? the, the birthday 52-year-old. 52? 62, baby. That was the year. That do was. you look good, man? You look really good. We are on. <laughs> you look really it's good. I work out all the time. Is that what it is? No. no. It's not it. Maybe because you don't. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. We're on? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. I should probably have my headphones on. Um, although I am talking, this is not my podcast. This podcast belongs to the one and only Mr. Chris Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Yay. Thank you. Tell, let everybody know what we're doing. This is uh, number three of our uh, continuing series of uh, Three Musketeer podcasts <laughs> with Joe Rogan, Duncan Trussell, and yours truly. Uh, so now we're in, we're in Joe's studio, actually, because... Uh, I don't have a studio. <laughs> well, we, we were trying to figure out uh, if we should do our own podcast, and we said, no, nah, we already have three podcasts. Let's just swap off. Yeah. And I like that. It's really We should name them, though, just so that people could find them, because I think right. a lot of these conversations are going to deal with some subjects that maybe they would want to reference, and they would forget which one it was, and we don't want them to have to listen to right. X amount of hours. So we should come up with a time. I mean, Three Musketeers is too easy. Circle Jerk. Uh, <laughs> tripod was one that someone tripod. put out there. <laughs> <laughs> Triangular. I like the three amigos. Sounds the like three amigos. It sounds. Funny. I don't know. It sounds unpretentious. How about the Lords of Truth? <laughs> well, that's that's not pretentious. That's, yeah, I'm that's just kidding. Uh, yeah. the spiritual arbiters of the Western world. How about Shrimp Parade? I just wanted to figure out a way to use shrimp arbiters. Parade. What is a shrimp parade? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I'd go to one, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's I thought that was some sort of uh, reference to our penises. But that's that's because you always think about penises. Well, you were just saying oh, your, your podcast was a sausage fest, Duncan. And then I you meant literally. I, I wasn't using the term. I, that didn't mean phallus. Oh, you, you just talked about the sausage You're the sexist. No, I just mean like, yeah, my podcast. Podcast reminds me of a package of old, salty, briny, <laughs> withered sausages that you might find at a secondhand meat store. Briny. Dude, secondhand meat store. What the fuck is a, what the fuck is a secondhand meat store? What Discarded great... old sausage. Once this guy, no, they're, what they're, a great description though. Tra- secondhand meat store. <laughs> Trader Joe's is. Oh, <laughs> 
I got to get more girls. I got to get more girls gals. on my podcast. Gals is what you said. Sure, I said gals. gals. He's trying to be funny, though. He's trying to be funny. That's the reason. But is gal sexist? No. I mean, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It should I, all be intent, right? Okay, I was at this party the other day, and I met these two women who are on a TV show in, in England, right? And and I said, oh, so you're actresses. And they said, no, we're actors. Oh, and I was like, okay, all right. So, and then my aunt was there and my aunt was like, oh, I guess you should call me your uncle then. I mean, what, you know, what, what the fuck? Yeah. It's so weird. I got to go back to Spain. Well, you know what it is? People, they're just looking for a reason to be upset. Like, you know, as a human being, what the intent behind that is. It does. There's nothing. But I mean, even logically, how can that possibly be sexist? Unless you believe being a woman is a bad thing. Well, that's their assuming. It's almost like they're assuming that you believe just because you make a distinction. Yeah, like waitress. No, it's your server. Oh fuck it! You know, I don't give a shit. Man. I ain't got time for that. Yeah. Too- <laughs> <laughs> ain't got time. All right. Speaking of secondhand meat stores, do you guys have nicknames for your penises? No. no. Have we talked about this before? No. Because no. I'm thinking Deadwood would be a great nickname. Deadwood. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> that's sad. That's sad. That's, that's terrible. All right. So since this, since I'm piloting this thing or driving this bus uh, full of rambunctious children. Uh, this is brought to you by Squarespace, who I think sponsors all of us. Yes, don't they? I met yes. them. I met them last weekend in New York. Oh, really? Yeah, you're at fucking amazing, amazing guys. They came to my show. Uh, I had a show at the uh, Manhattan Center, and oh, the Squarespace nice. guys all came. They're exactly what you would hope they would be. Oh, yeah, cool. they're cool. Really cool, smart cats who are really friendly. Got a great website. It's a fucking great yeah, website. It's, it's, I, my it's my wrong. personal page, Chris Ryan PhD, is on Squarespace. I heard about them when I was on your podcast. Yeah. You have changed my life, man. I got a goddamn <laughs> Samsung phone because of you. It's on uh, Ting because of you. I'm on Squarespace because of you. I got a podcast because of Duncan. And that's you hooked awesome. me up with Squarespace. That's beautiful. Oh, that's right. I Yeah, I turned. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that's anyway, beautiful. Squarespace, they're just what you'd imagine. They're awesome. They're awesome. Yeah. It's a great, great thing. And we've talked about that a lot. And of course, our other. That's sponsor. your advertisement. That's, yeah, I'm not real good at. You didn't even give the website. Yes, you have a website. Squarespace.com. Um, Say the code yeah. word, you get 10 percent off. That's you're right. really I always forget that part. The code word would be. <laughs> the code word is tangent. If you do it in February. Terrible code word. Yeah, that's a terrible code word. Because no one yeah. can say tangent. They're going to forget. Tangent, too. Hey, well, the, my podcast is tangentially speaking. I know. Yeah. I totally understand. Yeah. But so it should be like Chris. It should be like Chris. Just Chris. They gave it to me. What can I do? This is what I always say. I know a woman who sells her stinky socks online and makes money doing that. That oh. we live in a country where a website can you can use a website to generate dough from your discarded underwear and socks because nobody's doing any kind of DNA test to make sure that sock came from a lady. Guys, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Squarespace. Don't you think they have a different smell though? Guys, you're wearing women's underwear anyway. Why not make some money? For yes, it? yes, yeah. exactly. So you could build a website and sell stinky socks and probably make at least like a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, if you hit the right, you got to hit the right river of stinky sock fans. Yeah, the ones yes. with cash. Yeah, you know, because it, and then they also have to get on your radar. Like you have to be like a stinky sock person that they would really like to acquire. I bet they acquire them from a bunch of different models. Yeah, have specific stinky socks, and they have like Ziploc bags. And you guys know about the vending machines in Japan that sell yes girls' underwear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that? 
real? I tried to find those when I was there. I mean, just for research. Of course. But uh, I, I didn't find anything. Uh, uh, they used to have them in, in the metro stations, I believe, but now they've taken them out. That's so crazy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think they are real. J- Japan is... I, yeah. I've never been there, but if this... TV show that's people keep talking about ever comes about. I can't wait to go to Japan. Guys, and do a whole I, you'd thing. love it. It's fascinating. I, I, I got to say though, I, I don't approve ethically of those <laughs> stinky underwear factories. Have you seen the way the way those things work in Japan? It's awful. Are you no, serious? Slave labor. Yeah, there's just this one filthy woman who just has to keep putting underwear on and off. Up, on. Son of a bitch. <laughs> He got me for a couple of seconds. Usually he doesn't get me. He starts going off, and I'm oh, like, man, I saw that one coming a mile away. You're better than me. You're better than me. Uh, as soon as he said there's one woman, I'm like, oh, you uh, fuck. Yeah. You fuck. Sweatshop. Give you sweatshop a whole One woman sweatshop. Your pussy doesn't smell bad enough. I don't want to work here anymore. <laughs> All right. Tangent two, ladies and gentlemen. Set up your, your disgusting underwear site. They've got a template for it at Squarespace. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. If they don't, they should. <laughs> they will soon. You can make money, ladies. Come on. Yeah. Or and guys. Why so proud? And, of course, our favorite sponsor, our sponsor that I also sometimes forget to mention, much to my chagrin and shame, is Shore Design T-shirts. Go to shoredesigntshirts.com. Duncan, do you have anything to say about Shore Design T-shirts? These shirts are very, very, very soft. Um... Really soft. These shirts are softer than the under scruff of Snowden's balls out there in Russia. His lotioned Patriot balls. They say no. They say they're very soft. They say that under that. underneath his balls are. That was one of the things that his girlfriend said. His father said it was like the special thing about him. The NSA it's said it. Incredibly, incredibly soft. And Bennett at Shirt Design T-shirts. He has modeled his shirts off of the those sweet soft balls. So you're gonna. Feel Feel like you're wearing the balls of Snowden the when balls, you put on one of the these shirts. The of a patriot. Wow. That's fantastic. That's intense stuff, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Shoredesigntshirts.com. And I've also got a discount code for them, too, but I can't remember what the fuck it is. So if you order something, use Duncan's. What's your discount code? Because they get 10% off, right? Duncan. Duncan. Or Duncan or Chris or Joe or whatever. You'll get 10% off. Put Just put Tangent, too. Try that. Too. Tangent 718. <laughs> Give it a shot because like <laughs> you, you, you get credit for those. Like People know that your podcast yeah, is working. Know. You know, especially, you have to really i know you don't want to but you have to consider this now that your podcast is getting so many downloads i mean your downloads yeah. are through the roof now they yeah. are they've gone up uh, just in the last month I, I was hanging out with duncan and, and we were talking about numbers and duncan was like oh no don't look at the per episode thing how many per month yeah and i looked at it, it was like uh, one hundred and twenty thousand. that was like two months ago and i just looked at it a few days ago and now it's like 240 wow it's just taken off probably because of these round robin things we're doing. Uh, well like i said our our one podcast one of the most popular downloads we We've ever had was Kevin Smith, which was like eight hundred thousand, I think, eight hundred thousand downloads. Yeah, he was great. But that was two years ago. This podcast has over seven hundred thousand downloads, and it's only two weeks old. Wow! Like the the last one we did was three weeks, maybe four. Four weeks was it? Four weeks. It's funny because I would I would think that there would be a lot of overlap in our audience. You I would know. think so, too, but I think we also have individual unique components that are converging for this one. Yeah. Yes. So what do you think about the idea, like, if, if we're going to keep doing this, of occasionally having a fourth person in? Why not? Like, sure, in the, I mean, in if the you lion want to. den, you know? Sure, why not? 
Yeah. If we, I mean, if we get bored with each other, you know. I don't think we should have any rules. I'll tell you, know? you who needs to be interviewed by us. That <laughs> actress who plays Khaleesi on Game of Thrones. Oh, I, I can't even handle it. I can't be near her. <laughs> All right, we, well, you, you would me. be restrained. You'd have to be strapped me. into your chair. We could strap you into your chair. <laughs> the way she so willingly gave herself to that barbarian dude. Seth MacFarlane? No. No, no, no. The guy who played Conan. <laughs> What's his name? Fabio. Mo- MoMA or something like that. The perfect human. Oh, the dude. The perfect man. The guy, the horse guy. The the main guy. The yeah. the, the guy in the beginning. Oh, Remember yeah. the guy with the crazy his name hair? Was Momo. MoMA, I think it is. Jason MoMA, I think it's oh, MoMA. Not I thought Momo. You meant the fucking MoMA. The like Joey his name was MoMA. No, I forget his name, but he was the most badass barbarian ever. And, uh, yes. and they, they fucked with passion. And she was like, you know, she originally was like given to him or something like that. I forget the story. It was season one. But, you know, she sort of grew to love him. Yeah. And they just, just the way she fucked that barbarian, you're like, I can't be near that girl. It's too much going on That's there. a good thing in a woman. <laughs> yes, you know, it is. It's too good. Enthusiastic barbarian fucking. Yeah. Where <clears throat> a girl just she just gives in to her nature, just, just finds that place inside of her, that crazy fuck beast you know, place. The women who are listening to this are saying, yeah, yeah, but where are the barbarians? Where are they? It's true. Yeah, well, the guy, you know, any guy who complains about women being frigid or women being this, women being that, I always say, if you were a girl, would you fuck you? <laughs> right. Just stop and think about that. Yeah. Like, everyone com- be complaining that your wife doesn't want to have sex. What do you What do you do in your body? Like, take, yeah. look, take a look at yourself. Like, yeah. you have to not just think about how you're attracted to her. You have to think about, would she want to be attracted yes. to you? Like, in, yeah. And not just your body, as it's your the fucking day, personality. The yeah. day before Valentine's passion. Day, you gotta yes. have passion. Do, are, is this pod, podcast being sponsored by any like Hallmark or like chocolate strawberry uh, companies or anything like yes, that? Yes, it's I mean, being sponsored by romance? Curtis's Chocolate Strawberries <laughs> in La Cienega. <laughs> and, a, and the secondhand meat store. One eight hundred flowers is one of my new ones. Oh really? <clears throat> yeah. Well, there people, you go. People love that shit. I love flowers, man. <clears throat> there, I've, I've been reading uh, this book. By Henry Miller called Tropic of Cancer. Great book. Great book. If you want to read about passion or about fucking, like I don't know what Henry Miller looked like, but if I could, if I could, if I could fuck like Henry Miller, because like (laughs) when you read his descriptions, one of his, one of the, I memorize it because it's so amazing. I will shoot hot bolts into you. I will make your ovaries incandescent. Whoa. <laughs> and you can actually read about Henry Miller fucking from the woman's perspective if you want. Oh, really? Because what? he was fucking a nice nin, and she wrote about it. What did she say? Uh, well, I didn't memorize her stuff. You know, it's it's wordy. Um, but, uh, yeah, check it. A nice nin. I mean, they had this famous uh, three-way. There was a film about it, Henry, Henry, and I, I don't remember. Because she was married to a banker. And he was cool with her fucking Henry Miller, who was penniless in Paris. I think he was writing about her in that line because he yeah. kept talking about her husband. Right. You know, talking. <laughs> he kept talking about her husband, saying like he said, like he said, he basically said, like you know, when you go back to him, you will be able to fit baboons into your pussy. I haven't. <laughs> I swear to God, I haven't memorized the line, but it, it was like. It was like that good and it's so passionate it's so passionate it's not like you know what i mean it's not like he's he's like that consumed with lust for this woman and you can just feel it coming out of the book and if you're not living like that if you're not having sex like that then yeah it sucks you're not a barbarian or whatever you're just some yeah i mean
mean, I'm talking to myself here. Like, <laughs> when, when, I, when I watch myself kind of like all in my head having sex and you realize like I am totally in my fucking head right now. I My snow globe is just so shaken up and I'm only enjoying maybe like six seconds out of every minute of this uh. sex because I keep spinning off into my head. I'm getting better. Meditation. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you're in the middle of sex, you spin off and start thinking about other shit? Not all the time. But sometimes, if I if you're if you're not care, I mean, wow. Yeah, sure, of course. That's the one time I never have a problem. I never have that. Oh my! That's God. the one time. I mean, I could be doing anything, and I could get inside my head accidentally and go on a journey and start spinning all but these not, different not things. Not fighting, right? No, well, you can't. Yeah, that's, you can't. I mean, that's not the thing. even training. Well, I haven't fought in a long time, but even training, even you can't. Training. You can't even do it in training. I am the same. I, for me, sex is the one thing that completely focuses my mind. Uh, and and rock climbing, which I did once. Whoa! And it's the last time I whimpered. Yeah, uh, I would imagine that that would but, fucking put a pucker in your little butthole. Yeah, yeah. I think, what puts a pucker in your butthole? I mean, rock climbing. Sex. Oh, about <laughs> that too. Rock, rock climbing, man. Yeah, no, rock climbing's intense. I mean, anything scuba diving, you know, anything where your body's convinced you're about to die yeah. really focuses your, yeah. your mind. All right, well, I don't feel like I'm going to die when I'm having yeah. sex. I'm doing feel- it wrong. Well, but sex for me, I mean, <laughs> especially when I was younger, I, I used to try to think about other things to, just to stop from coming. Yeah. And you know what worked for me? Old people in snow. That's, that was the only thing that worked. Ah, That's a good one. <laughs> Old people in yellow snow. Old That's, people trudging through the snow. Maybe that should be our podcast. Old, Old people, people in snow. Yes. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> Sounds like we're doing blow or something. <laughs> Old people on snow. On snow it's the yeah. only thing that kept Chris Ryan from coming as a child. From like, from like 14 to 27. Yeah, yeah, those were the years. Oh, one other thing I do sometimes in the podcast, I'll like uh, shout out to people who sent me emails, interesting emails. That's a terrible idea. You should cease that at once. Well, all right, I'll cease <laughs> yeah, it right after I do this one. Jack William Verberne, or Verburn, or however he says it, he lives in New Zealand, had a shitty job. He wrote to say, I me- emailed you last year asking for advice, da da da. You didn't feel comfortable, but you said something, and you said to me, the only way to fly is to jump. So I thought I'd email you again and tell you that because of listening to you and Duncan and Joe. I'm now paralyzed from the <laughs> <laughs> I found out about airplanes. You're full of shit, man. The only way to fly is to get on a fucking airplane. <laughs> so I quit the job I hated. I sold my car, and I'm leaving New Zealand, going to Southeast Asia to travel for six months. I thought you'd like to know you guys helped me, ah. and I'll be listening to your podcast on the planes, trains, and buses in Asia. Do you get a lot of those? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, like my thing, you know, is like I traveled a lot. So mm-hmm. I, get a, I get a lot of emails from people saying, I don't know what to do, man. I'm mm-hmm. with this woman. I don't know if I love her. I got this job. I kind of hate it. And I was thinking maybe I should go travel. I don't know. What do you think? And I'm like, dude, you're writing to me. You yeah. know, you're, your answer is in the fact that you chose me to write to. You know, it's um, it's real hard to give someone advice if you don't know them. Yeah, give, give someone advice for an email. I I see what they're doing. They're just trying to reach out to you. But w- what I get a lot is the the podcast changed my life story. Yeah, I get I get that fucking thing. I decided to take a chance. I decided to live with passion. I decided to abandon my job, lose my burdensome relationship, get my shit together, stop eating sugar. I've heard all those things. You know, yeah. and all the time, like constantly, and. 
completely unintended side effect of something that I thought was just going to be fun. Yeah. I just thought it would be fun to have, you know, I have a bunch of funny friends. And that's how we started doing these in the green rooms of comedy clubs. Remember we did one at uh, Cobbs. We're on Justin TV. And we did, we've yeah. done them a bunch of times. We just set up a webcam and start talking. And to the, the idea that that would somehow or another change, who knows how many people's lives. I mean, I don't, I've lost track. How many people came up to me and told me they lost 100 pounds? How many, how many people came up to me and told me they started exercising and they got off antidepressants, they feel better than they've ever felt in their yeah. life? Their, their whole life is super positive now. They, they realize that you can get a pattern going where you're just constantly nice to people. And, and then it can really enrich and change your life. I get those emails every day. I get yeah. those emails all day. It's, it's bizarre. It's fantastic. But it's weird. Because it's totally unintended and, and un, yeah. uh, unforeseen. I never saw it coming. Right. Well, y- it's yeah, a tuning fork, man. I mean, any- that's it. It's a resonance, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the theme that keeps coming through in mind is like, you know, people f- just feel like they have connected with a community. Yes. Right? And it's not, they haven't found it in the town they live in, whatever. And I think we've talked about this before. It's not that, that we're doing anything that's so unusual it's just that it resonates with people around the world and that's wonderful Man. well we got lucky and we found each other and we got yeah. lucky and we found each other physically and we can right. all hang out together physically we can go to dinner and joke around but if you're stuck in hammond indiana and you know you're in a small town and maybe your neighbor's a douchebag maybe the kids you go to school with are assholes maybe everyone's stupid maybe they they throw rocks at gay people who knows what the fuck the issue is but you're stuck in that geographic spot right but because of this, they're interacting with people that aren't stuck. That maybe we were, and, and I know several of us were. Well, several, there's only three of us. We, we, we've all been in bad Duncan's spots. Duncan's stuck when he's fucking. Right? <laughs> he's stuck in his head. Yeah, he's you, stuck. you guys can kiss my ass. It's, <laughs> Would that it's focus not, your mind? It's not all the time. Oh, what part you, of your you, ass specifically? You, you two legendary lions of lovemaking, focused Rawr. as though you're climbing a rock. Please, I'm thinking about my mom dying. <laughs> I'm taxes. focused. <laughs> what, what? Taxes? You don't pay taxes, do you? I'm just kidding. No, I'm joking. Yeah. So, Joe, when you're player, either uh, you guys, when you guys are playing in a town that is like a conservative town, I know Bill Maher sometimes says he loves playing in like shit shithole conservative towns because the people come out mm. like that's their one chance to yeah. not be. In the minority. Uh, that makes sense. I, that? I heard Salt Lake City's like that. I still haven't done Salt Lake City, but I need to. I keep hearing that about uh, that Wise Guys Club. I keep hearing that's fucking fantastic. Oh, really? Joey Diaz just came back. He was there, I think, a couple months ago. He said it was amazing. All right. Duncan, that, are you on the road again? Or what are you doing? He's uh, coming with me. I'm going with Joe. Good. And then I've, yes, I'm working on, uh, finally, I've like I've started going up regularly again, and it's great. So, yeah, I was going to do a podcast tour, but now I'm thinking I'll just like keep building this new set that I'm working on and just go on the road. Just have some fun, man. Just yeah. get back on the horse. You're too good to not be doing comedy. And I just had to take gonna... a break, but I'm definitely doing it again, and it feels good. I mean, it was, awesome. you know, you just like, you, you just have to, I mean, I'm, I've never been one of these industrialist artists who's just like, I'm going to go up no matter what, no matter what. Never a sick day. Always go up. I I can't do it like that. It has to feel I need to, like, be drawn to it so that I feel excited about it. Because otherwise you're up there and you just feel like you're some kind of automaton sort of rolling through some nonsense for what reason. It's not fair for the audience. Even if they're laughing, it's still, like, it's no good. I, I think it's better to, like, do things... When you're inspired, not that you're always going to be inspired, but you need to like 
just trust that if there's a pause in your <clears throat> desire to do some art form, don't apply fucking ha- the same way you build a car to the way you like try to communicate deep parts of yourself to the world. I don't well, especially so. considering that you went through a very emotional and and really powerful, profound experience, the loss of one of the most important people in your life, your mother. Yeah. That's something that you don't get over very quickly. I mean, Phil Hartman was a very good friend of mine, but um, he wasn't as close to me as your mother was to you. And when Phil died, I was fucked up for a long time. And I did go on stage too soon. And I had uh, I had one... Two, two really bad sets because of it, but one unbelievably bad. I ran into a friend who was a cop um, on the way to the comedy store. I was at the gas station, and I was pump, pumping gas, and my friend Steve was there. I go, hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. We start talking. And uh, it had been the first time I was about to go on stage after uh, Phil died. And uh, he was um, he was telling me that his friends in the force were there. I don't know if you know the story, but Phil Hartman killed his wife, and then she killed herself. Well, his wife killed uh, yeah, him. I mean, rather, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Phil Hartman's wife killed him, and then she killed herself. And um, it, the, she killed herself while the cops were outside. They found out that she had done this. She called them or something happened. Somehow or another, it became aware that she had killed her husband. And the cops showed up, and she had the children in the bathroom, and she had a gun out. And she was going to kill the children. And so that they could all be in heaven with, you know, with daddy. I mean, it's one of those things that it, when a mother knows she's going to kill herself, oftentimes they'll kill their children. It's really dark shit. And they smashed the door down and the kids ran away from their mother. And when the kids ran away from their mother, boom, she blew her brains out. So she blew her brains out with the cops outside. So I'm hearing all this while I'm pumping gas about to go tell ha-has and hee-hees, you know, and I I just ate shit. I couldn't be funny if my life depended on it. I was, I was unbelievably bummed out getting onto the stage. I, every thing that came out of my mouth felt pointless. It was, uh, it was a terrible experience. And it was only like two weeks after he died. So I really had no business, no business being on stage. I think what you did was really smart. You took a long time and you let your emotions settle. And you, you know, yeah. loss is a big thing, man. It's not, it's not to be taken lightly. And there's no um, shame in wanting to rekindle your desire to do something that you love doing. I mean, yeah, right. Do what you do. What and love, also, you know. I, I mean, the way you went through the experience, and still are going through experience with your eyes open. You know, interviewing your mother and and like being completely conscious as that was happening, dude. I have so much respect Thanks. for you for doing that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I still haven't listened to those podcasts because I'm afraid of how much pain I'll go through. What I'm a, a pussy, you know. And you were there, and that's your life. I mean, blows my mind. Yeah, it's uh, you know, though there is this. Um, it is it is intense, but it is totally normal. I mean, that's the other thing you have to realize is that your mom dying. Right. It's going to De- happen. Definitely going to happen. Like, there's yeah. no way around it. It's definitely going to happen. And then <clears throat> once you start realizing that, and I I mean, yeah, I appreciate what you guys are saying. And I'm not trying to underplay. It sucked. I got, I had grief. And I, you, when you, when grief isn't like getting a, a, a psychic flu, it's like the worst heartbreak of your life, you know, times 10. It's, you go crazy. You go crazy in some weird way. But, What's really interesting is when you start realizing that this is not abnormal. 
This is normal. And then you realize, like, oh, my God, all of society is built on not acknowledging this thing that will happen to every single person. They don't teach it in class. There's no there's no class in high school where they teach you. Well, here's what's going to happen. Your parents are going to die and everyone you know is going to die and everything you have is going to go away. And you're basically a renter existing in this dimension for only a certain amount of time. So definitely make sure that you return those calls and et cetera. Don't don't take this for granted. It sounds a little cliche, I know, but it's the fact that those things aren't taught to us. But instead, we kind of get this window through TV into this basically a very certain age range, 20 to 30, maybe the young age range. Usually it's young, beautiful people on TV. You see this kind of window into like the 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 height of uh, of virility in a person's life. That's most of what we like to look at. We like yeah. to look at young people. And so then this when your your parents die or when your friend dies or when whatever happens, it always blows your fucking mind it's always a surprise it's always a surprise but it also is like holy shit holy fucking shit we're all right at the edge of a cliff (laughs) yeah you know what i mean we're all we've been walking along the edge of a cliff since we were born well it's also it puts into perspective what life really is because when a person dies they vanish yeah. And yes. this that that is an incredibly strange thing that yeah. they, they they don't exist anymore, and it makes you really try to conceptualize what is being alive. Like what what is this exact experience? Am I just so accustomed to it? Is it so normal to me that it seems like something that makes sense? But then objectively, I think about death, and you're disappearing. Like what are you talking about? It stops existing, and then it goes. Yeah. What the fuck is going on there? Like is it, it's not a rock. Okay, it's not water. It's not it's it's not metal. It's a person, and then it stops being alive. Why? What the fuck is that all about? Like, what's going on there? Yes. Like, why is it? Yeah. Why does it disappear? Yes. But we still exist on Facebook. Yeah, but it stops. <laughs> like, why would yeah. that be built into the system? Why would it be built in the system that it stops? Yeah. I mean, plan knobs. Personally, I... Flappy Bird, man. Have you played Flappy Bird? But does it? It's stop? a fun fucking game. You only get one life. That's the question. Yeah. Does, does it, it really? Stop? I mean, does a raindrop cease to exist when it lands on the ocean? Are you the same person today as you were when you went to bed yesterday? <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure, man. Yeah. I don't understand what the fuck's going on when I go to sleep. I'm not pretending that I understand it. I know that I shut off, and then I don't have any recollection or idea of anything for eight hours, and it's normal. I think that's yeah. uber bizarre. Yeah. Uh, f- I just got an email from a friend um, <laughs> who uh, is is writing a book about her husband's experience. He, he went, I think he went in for uh, surgery, and... Something went wrong. He had some sort of brain trauma, and he forgot everything about his life until that moment. Oh, I've heard of that before. Sonia Leah is her name. And uh, so she's writing this book about it, and like the dude's a virgin. He's never had sex. Wow. He doesn't know her. He knows he's married to her, but only because that's what he's been told. Oh, my God. And so it's like r- going through all these things again with him, you know? Incredible. That was just really – there was something on today that was flittering around through Twitter. Oh, maybe, about it's, that. maybe it's her thing. I, I, I met her in Seattle. She came to one of my readings up there. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. My, I have a friend, David McLean. I went to college with him, and he just 
just put out a book called The Answer to the Riddle is Me, and he was in India. Oh, did I, I tell I, you? Guys? No, but I heard, I read about him in the New York Times. I read about his yeah. thing, and he was in a this train He's like station. one of my best friends in college. And I we heard went your to India. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. We went to India together. He went back to India on a Fulbright scholarship. He's taking this stuff called Larium, which is this like really weird anti malaria drug that was manufactured in this strange um, partnership between the United States military and some That's pharmaceutical Satan. company. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, it's like a weird baby that was born from these two entities. And what it does, like it, um, the problem with it is like a certain percentage of people, it, what happens is it builds up in your brain in a way that it sort of clogs up your synapses and it can fuck you up. When I was in India, I was taking larium and I had this dream that I'll never forget this dream because it was so vivid and horrible, but this like pirate skeleton with a meat hook hand ripped my stomach open and I could feel it pulling my intestines out and I was really rattled from this dream and I went outside and I told this uh, what, this traveler what happened and the first thing he said is like, are you on Larium? Are you taking Larium? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's illegal in Europe. That's stuff they can't sell it in Europe because it's so dangerous. He's like, stop taking it. You'll go psychotic. Well, anyway, my friend, he's in a train station in India and uh, he 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 suddenly doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know why he's there, where he is. He can't. He's like looking at the TV screen, trying to understand what the languages are rolling across the screen. He forgets his entire identity. Ends up in a fucking mental asylum in India. In India, they think he's just overdosed on like recreational drugs or something like that. And he has full on amnesia for he doesn't understand any like he's laying in a bed in some house where they're taking care of him. And he doesn't understand why he's there or where anything. It's all gone. It's all gone. But, yeah, that idea of amnesia, I think it's a very special idea because mm. that's what every single what baby people has. people treating him saying? Well, he said that actually a religious person came into the room and started running some kind of Jesus game on him and stuff. And, like, you know, right away they were trying to get him into Jesus. They were trying to really? use this blank little fresh, fertile little <laughs> field to plant those Jesus seeds in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a bunch of creeps. Yeah. Yeah. They, they tried to get him. Around. Fuck, what's better than amnesia for a fundamentalist, man? An amnesic brain? Yeah. Woo! You could fill that thing up with so many lies and weird shit. You could tell someone they're God. You could, like, sit down and tell someone that you're, like, just so you know, you're the Messiah. Do you know the story about the assassin, the, the first assassins? Yeah. Uh, the, the Hashishans? The Hashishans, yeah. Yeah, similar kind of thing. They, the, there was some uh, king in Persia, and uh, he needed, uh, you know, he wanted soldiers who would do anything for him. So he sent guys out with uh, hashish, got young boys, like 14-year-old boys, stoned out of their minds till they passed out. I guess they ate the stuff or whatever. And then they brought their bodies, you know, there's passed out guys into the palace grounds, right? So when they woke up, they were surrounded by beautiful women and fountains and plates of food and whatever you want, right? And the guys are like, what the fuck is it? You're in heaven. You died. You're in heaven. This is heaven. Welcome to heaven. So they hang out for a while. Fuck all these girls. Have all the pleasure they can imagine. And then the, the king would come and say, okay, listen, we want to send you back to earth now, but you have to do something for us. You have to kill this guy. But don't worry. If something happens to you, if, if you get killed or whatever, you'll just come back here. No problem. Drug him again. They wake up in the street. With wow. the mission. That's some great Whoa, hash. Oh, 
that's crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about, like, playing a con. That's Running brilliant. Running a con on some dudes there. Jeez. That's brilliant. You guys, I was watching Anderson Cooper the other night. AC360. Because uh, I'm staying at someone's <laughs> house and it was on the TV. <laughs> and You like to see smug gay people read the news? <laughs> I do. It turns me on. But uh, anyway, he was he was talking about this, uh, this, this guy who shot a bunch of kids in a car. You know, there's always the, um, the, the trial, the yeah. du jour. Anyway, the guy's talking. They're, they're showing the guy in church. I mean, in church, in uh, court. <laughs> and he says, so what did the kid say to you? And the, what, the kid said, oh, you know, it's time to kill this motherfucker. What motherfucker on CNN? Never heard that before. Ah. Pretty strange. So then they go to the next story is about that giraffe in Denmark. Did did you hear about that? Yeah. Tell the story. So they've got a giraffe in the zoo, and because of inbreeding, the giraffe... It's a young young male giraffe, but they can't really use it for the breeding program. So, and they, there's nowhere to, to give. No one wants it in the other zoos and whatever. So they decide they're going to kill the giraffe, do an autopsy, cut it up, and feed it to lions. And they're going to make it an educational thing. So there are all these all these kids there. So they yes. like invite schools to come and see it. And of course, Anderson Cooper and his his whoever it was Hannah John, Jack Hannah or some guy were outraged. Outraged by this, you know, the, 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 the cruelty of killing this giraffe and, oh, my God, how can you do this in front of children? With a bolt gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. the same way they kill pigs and everything else. And uh, so they had the zoo director on, this Danish guy, and the guy was just like completely, from my point of view, was completely rational. It was, was great. Like, oh, you saw this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. He's like, you know, you know, what's the problem? There is death. Yeah. You know, there is death. And, and this, you know, this is, we believe, what I thought was really cool is he said, you know, we believe that the animal's life should be as good as possible while it's alive. In other words, it's quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Americans were saying, no, how could you do this? How could you do it? They were outraged. Why? Because it's cute? It's so hypocritical. First of all, what do you think those animals are eating when they're in that zoo? Exactly. 365 days a year. They're eating murdered animals, period. That's right. it. It's the only way to do it. You've got to kill animals and feed them the lions. They don't eat cheese. They don't, they don't <laughs> eat breadsticks. No shit. Somebody <laughs> should tell Anderson Cooper about the lions that eat giraffes every fucking day. <laughs> He's an, he's an idiot. Well, you know, there's a yeah. lot of idiots when it comes to the idea of animals, you know? Um, the, the, you can't make that distinction that one animal, because it's in a zoo, is more important than another animal that has to die anyway. That just you're deciding that one animal is yeah. a better animal. A giraffe's it, better than a cow. Right. It's hypocrisy around animals, and it's and what reminded me of this was it's hypocrisy around death. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's bad for children to see that. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, the, he said that the children were asking questions right. and they were curious about it. It's it's natural and it's people are really weird with that. the The animal thing is a very strange thing, and this is a, coming from a person I love animals, I really do. But I've cut animals up before, I've killed them and I've cut them up before, and I and I eat them. And um, th- that's what people have been doing since the beginning of time. And if you don't eat those animals. There's a whole bunch of problems associated with that. First of all, they're not going to live forever. And second of all, they, you know, they, there's overpopulation. There's all sorts of issues that you'd have to deal with. You won't know what they taste concerned. like? You wouldn't know they're delicious and good for you? They're actually nutritious. <laughs> they shouldn't That's suffer. Fair. They definitely shouldn't suffer. But yeah. that giraffe got a bolt 
to the brain. I mean, that, that's instantaneous yeah. death. If yeah. I if I had to pick between a bolt to the brain or some giant thing ripping me to shreds while oh, yeah. I was screaming. Well, that's how they do it in a lot of countries still. They release animals out of cages in Siberia or in um, uh, Asia. They they have this cage in the back of a truck. They tip the, the cage over. A goat jumps out. And tigers rip it apart. Yeah. That's how they feed them. It's just sad. The thing is, it's the reason it's this is particularly shocking is only because it has the components of a Disney movie, except the way that it ends is not the way it would end in a Disney movie. The way, you know what I mean? Somebody would, the giraffe yeah. would escape with an otter or something, and yeah. they'd go to New York yeah. and start a sushi shop or something. Although, although what was the, what, Bambi? And Bambi's pretty dark, right? And yeah. that's one of the most famous children's movies of all time. Those are old movies, though. Old, yeah. Those old movies got dark. And Old Yeller. Down. You guys ever read Old Yeller? Uh, I yes. saw it. I cried. Oh, I cried my ass off in that book. <laughs> It's about, yeah. a, it's about a kid's dog who gets um, fucked up by raccoons. Yeah, he gets rabies, and he and the kid has to kill his dog in the end. Yeah. It's it's the point yeah. is we're not supposed to spend our time fixating on the fact that there's death in the universe and that we're all going to fall into the void and everything's going to go away. But it needs to be acknowledged. Right. And the more that you escape from that truth, the more likely are you are to take the people around you for granted. Exactly. And, those, and take your own life for granted. Yes. Yeah. And that's why those stories are important for kids. That's yeah. why Watership Down is so important. And all those stories teach you to, to appreciate what's happening around you right now, if you can. Because if you haven't really like looked at where you're at, which is that you're going to get sick... It, people think like, oh, you're negative that you think like that. It's not like I'm always thinking about that. I'm, it's just that I I know that the more that I've digested that truth, the more interesting my life becomes. I'm not right. saying happier, actually. I'm not saying that my life suddenly gets blissful. Happiness is for idiots. Yeah. Let's face it. Why, why do we always have to be fucking happy? What is that? Yeah. I hate when people ask yeah. me if I'm happy. I'm you happy. Know? Well, I must be an idiot. <laughs> You're not an idiot, Joe. But, you're not an idiot. But you're, you, you're, it's a different form of happiness. Yeah, you're, it's a different thing, man. I'm talking about that kind of like numbed out, yeah. blank face, <laughs> fucking like emoticon grin as you wander around like a, a little zombie, not even, not even aware of really constantly happy. Yeah, constantly happy. How's that? What is that? That's not, not good. paying attention. Honestly, Duncan, that's one of the things that keeps me away from the sort of uh, retreats that you go to sometimes. Is there are too many happy people there? They creep me out. Oh man! Too many blissful smiles. I, I know. What I you... need sarcasm. <laughs> no, I, you... I need nasty, you know, snark. That's the thing, man. You'd be surprised, man. A lot of the people I know who go to those retreats are fucking. They do snark, and it's hilarious. And it's like there's no bullshit happening. Like yeah. I've, I've definitely been like beautifully uh in, insulted but but in a sweet way well the way you do like a friend you know right. like like this my friend ragu marcus who runs the love serve remember foundation i remember like <laughs> i i remember like uh, that's ramdas's foundation he, <laughs> he like he definitely does not like he definitely has called me out of my bullshit in a really sweet way that where right. it's inarguable and just the way that he's doing it is like, oh, wow, that's fucking cool, man. I see what you're doing and it doesn't make me feel defensive, but you're definitely pointing to parts of me that like I I feel insecure about or uncomfortable about. So the wrong type of retreat, you definitely will end up with a bunch of like phony shitheads wandering around. But man. I think if you go to the right one, that might not be a component. Every time someone like does this thing with their hands and says namaste, I just want to slap some. <laughs> Sadnam. Namaste. (laughs) Namaste. By the way, you just gave me a great new nickname for my penis. What? Namaste. Love love server member. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 
get it tattooed on there. <laughs> With, Commit. <laughs> Commit, man. Yeah, I don't think that – I think that's one of the big problems is people confuse spirituality with being a pussy because there's so many people who imitate being spiritual. Uh, and whenever you see that, that's when you run into that fucking – that's when you get the sense yeah. that you're having uh, some weird thing run on you. But the when you run into people who are really working on themselves, usually what you get is just this – Authentic, they're authentic. Right. But that's what's important about what you're saying. People that are really working on themselves, meaning that it's a struggle, it's a quest, it's a, go- it's, it's not. There's not really a destination where you get, and all of a sudden you're enlightened. And these people that are pretending to be like constantly spiritual and sadnam, you know, namaste. Yeah. What they're doing is like they're putting on a show, and by doing that, you're not doing all the work. You're not really being a person. I mean, right. not all of them, but the ones that are phony. You know that that feeling that you get from them is like yeah. you just sort of adopted this predetermined pattern you've sort of adopted it and now you're you're claiming spiritual the off the rack hippies are yeah. so off the rack that's the best way to describe great it. way to put it man yeah. typically yeah. unique you, yeah <laughs> I, you know right away somebody know, doesn't hasn't really started the work when they start chastising you for getting angry. Like sometimes like, or some, I'll get emails from people like, mm-hmm. well, you were, you seemed really negative in that podcast. It's like, yeah, no shit. I get, I, what do you fucking think this does? Yeah. Do you think it's like a lobotomy? Do you think meditation or working on yourself eradicates this essential part of the human experience, which is from time to time being a fucking cunt? Cause that, <laughs> cause it doesn't. Well, not only that, when, uh, when you're ranting and raving about, things there you have to take into account that there's an entertainment aspect to it it's fun to go on right. these crazy secondhand meat rampages yes. you know when you're doing these things i know what you're doing you're not just saying your feelings you're also making me laugh yeah. you're also right. saying things that are preposterous and creative and all interwined and yeah and it's funny you yeah. go crazy i know you're not really that mad you're smiling when you're doing it yeah. Yeah. you know you're fucking you're yeah. angry and smiling at the same time and yeah. some people don't want to to see that they just want to say oh god it's been yeah. so negative lately what the fuck is wrong with you he's hilarious they want krishna murti <laughs> they want krishna murti they want this calm they, people want if they think that they don't get it that's why so much one thing aubrey said on my podcast that i really liked he was talking about uh doing ayahuasca and coming into contact and in this realm the shamanic realm with people's higher beings like the highest thing the thing that's inside of you that seed of perfection that's in all of us if like suddenly you just dropped all the baggage you forgave everybody you were ever angry at you accepted the reality of your incarnation what would you be like you know and he was saying like it's not as though that person is going to be different than you are more pacified or like talk slower it's going to be even more exuberant and more uh, just a purer version of the happiest or the uh, most in tune you've ever been i love that idea i think people get confused and the reason they don't want to like read those fucking spiritual books or try meditating or any of that shit is because they think they're going to shuffle around like that guy from one flew over the cuckoo's nest right which is what the pharmaceutical "Quote unquote wisdom will will provide for you. People think antidepressants take away sadness, and they don't know they take away sadness and happiness. Uh, they, they they also take away remorse, uh, which is one of the issues that they think is 
correlating and connecting them to school shooters. There's a massive connection between people on or uh, having withdrawals from SSRIs and antidepressants and these massive uh, uh, these situations, mass shootings. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, if you Google it, it's very disturbing because you never hear it brought up yeah. by politicians. There's so much money involved in the pharmaceutical industry that it, along like cigarettes, are these evil sacred cows. They're these things that you're not allowed to talk about. And I don't think all pharmaceutical drugs are evil. Don't get me wrong. I think they've done mostly good, actually. I think they do a a tremendous job in curing people of diseases and fixing people's issues and and, uh, prolonging people's lives and improving the quality of their lives. But they also make a lot of money. And when you you have that, people tend to make rationalizations. To, that ensure that they continue to make a lot of money. And in doing so, a lot of times you, you shield the truth because you don't want to change. You want to keep extracting money from the system. But when you look into it, if you do the, do the Google search on school shootings and SSRIs, it's terrifying. And what's that, the expression that causation does not equal correlation or right. whatever the fuck it is? Yeah, the opposite. Yeah, correlation does not equal causation. That's true. It could be that it just so happens that all these people were insane, which is why they were on antidepressants in the first place. That yeah. could be what happened. But my experience from talking to people that were on it, by the way, Phil Hartman's wife was on it when she shot him. She was doing that and cocaine. And uh, they actually got a suit. They won money from Zoloft, I believe. Mm. Um, it gets it so you don't give a fuck. That's what it does to you. So it, it creates a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Well, in a way, to to the right person. Yeah. To some person, no. I mean, I've had friends that have taken antidepressants and it's changed their life for the positive. I've mm-hmm. more than more than one, several, and it made them way happier and they're fun to be around and they're enjoying life and mm. and there really was no fault of their own. They had a, a wire that was fucking crossed. Or, you look at scans of a depressed person's brain and a non-depressed person's brain, and it's clear that there is something different going on in there. It's not like you're just like feeling sorry. For yourself. There's something going on different in all of our brains, man. I mean, we all have, we're all, we have different ingredients, different ingredients and in different life experiences, different epigenetics. There's a lot of different shit going on yeah. in every person's brain. And I think that just, there's not one thing that's universally good for everybody. There's some people have massive allergies to dogs and other people like me love dogs and I've never had a problem. I'm, my wife can't touch dogs. Mm. She touches them. She gets these goosebumps and these ring, these dark rings, uh, wow. um, red, uh, red yeah. spots all over. And she has to wash it off and it'll stay for like an hour. It's weird, but it's a direct allergy to dogs. We're all fucking different, man. She's okay with barbarians though. She likes that shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey. She's okay with with monkeys you know another thing uh, I, I don't mean to be kissing your ass here but we're supposed to kiss your ass right why uh, the uh no you said it earlier uh i've been reading the war the <laughs> war of art uh, uh, which i Stephen heard about Pressfield. from you it's yeah. fucking great amazing it's a really good book amazing. and there's a thing in there where he says he used to work for some advertising firm and the boss said you know invent diseases Invent diseases oh, and then God. we'll be able to sell them sick, sell fucks. them the drugs. You well, know? And so all these, they came up with all these bullshit diseases mm, that now. What are, pig demons? Yeah. Well, yeah. this is in this what they're saying now about ADHD that there is no ADHD. That's just nonsense. What's you more know, of this? You know, when you take. What's more of this? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, it, you know. Yeah. 
uh, I'm tired of hearing myself talk about this book I haven't written yet, but in <laughs> Civilized to Death, that's one of the things we're, I'm going to talk about is how, you know, we pathologize normal human behavior when it doesn't fit into the civilizational structure. Right? Yeah. yeah. So whether it's, you know, we call it promiscuity, we call women who like to fuck sluts, yeah. we call kids who don't like to sit in a room for eight hours a day hyperactive. You know, it's it's insane. We call, you know, guys who can't get a job because we've painted them into a corner in which there are no jobs drug dealers of course they're fucking drug dealers what else are you going to do on the streets of baltimore if you're a black kid i mean what the fuck you yeah. know i mean it's so how about yeah, this that pattern how plays about out. you take a kid who's really smart and you force him to go to an internment camp for teenagers called high school yeah. and then when he's there you surround him with people who think he's a fucking asshole because he uses big words right. you get the he gets the shit kicked out of him every fucking day psychologically or physically by people who are probably a lot dumber than he is and then during this time he's got to sit in an uncomfortable fucking desk and have information jammed into his brain by people who aren't getting paid enough and who are like having to do this terrible tap dance for the federal government because they've created a testing system that makes it so that you're no longer trying to get people to absorb information and understand it. You just want them to memorize it. So you get a high score. So you keep your fucking job. And during that time, you start thinking, you know what? Something seems fucking wrong here. I don't feel good in this situation. I'm starting to feel like life sucks. Maybe I want to kill myself. You tell the guidance counselor that and the guidance counselor says, no, 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 no. You're just depressed. We're going to get some chemicals into your brain and it's going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. So now you're medicated like somebody in a fucking lunatic asylum and then during that time that you're medicated you start, your mind starts shattering because you begin to think, is this what life is? For the rest of my life I'm going to have to be surrounded by people who are fucking monstrous who are telling me that, that, that all I could hope to do is like work in a machine shop. Oh, I know. More jobs. There's more jobs because Obama's going to build more roads. That'll be a fun job for me, building the fucking roads just like the slaves used to do in ancient in Egypt. So you start going crazy. Your mind starts melting down. And the next thing you know, you're wandering through the halls of your fucking high school shooting people. Whose fault is it? Is it the pharmaceutical companies? Is it the teachers? Is it the parents? Is it the fucking kid himself? It's just a perfect storm. Or is it a perfectly logical result of those conditions? Yeah. It I, is. You, you would also, it would almost be something wrong with you if you weren't depressed. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, you look at teen anger. You know, the angry young man phenomenon, and, and we assume that's universal. But in all the, the books I've read about uh, childhood and hunter-gatherer societies, and all this, nobody ever talks about angry teens. They talk about teenagers who are rambunctious and wild and full of energy. But that angry, sullen teenager that I certainly was mm -hmm. is not a universal. That's not a, 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 a part of human nature. That's, I think, very close to what Duncan was saying, that that's when you come to an age where you're smart enough to look around and realize how how fucked this is. You're angry. Of course you're angry. You yeah. thought it was going to be a party. Think about how our society moves. We move away from mystery as we get older, unless we're mm. like religious nut jobs. We grow up like thinking, oh, there's Santa Claus and there's a tooth fairy and there's all this stuff. And as you get older, one of the hallmarks of maturity is knowing there's no fucking mystery. It's all just mm. work and taxes and deal with your bullshit, right? You look at shamanic societies like the ones we all evolved in, they move toward mystery through mm. their lives. They mm. move closer to the the rituals and the gods and the other world it's a completely different trajectory
And it so we end up connection. depressed. It creates connection and it yeah. creates humility. When you're when you're worshiping the gods, you're you're not just worshiping the gods. You're also a, you're also offering up your own humility that you don't compare to the gods. When you're experiencing mm-hmm. a hunter gatherer lifestyle, you are getting the exact programming and rewards that your body has been set up to. To receive in order to stay alive forever. We're in a transitionary period with our bodies because our bodies have all these reward systems built in and there's no need whatsoever to, to feed them. There's no need to feed the fight and flight. There's no need to feed the hunter gatherer. There's no need. You're going to the supermarket and you're getting your food. You're going to work by sitting down all day. None of it makes sense to your body. Your body is absolutely baffled. And if you're not doing something that you absolutely love while you're sitting in that studio, you know, designing something or art or whatever it is, I mean, you could conceivably obviously go to a job and it'd be the most amazing job ever. But if it's not the most amazing job ever, if you really are sitting there just doing nonsense that you don't give a fuck about all day, there's nothing like that in all of nature. Gathering food is exciting. Hunting is exciting. Fishing is exciting. Right. Planting crops is satisfying. If you pull a tomato off of a vine and you eat that tomato, there's a visceral, almost genetic excitement that you get from that. We're not getting any of those rewards yeah. all day long, but we're forcing ourselves to live in this way. It's not like living in a way where we would get those rewards would be impossible. It's just it's not, society and it almost engineered itself to make it so that we can innovate and make new things easier and quicker. That's what society did. It pushed people into large groups. It's almost like the machine wants to be born, so it reprograms society to live for the machine instead of to live for its own need system, its own wants and desires, mm. its own... If you could tell someone that you're going to live a finite life, this you only have this amount of... Let's manage that life and let's see how you handle it. How much time do you think you'd spend sitting in a fucking box doing some shit you don't like? You wouldn't. You would spend nuns. You'd put zero in the box. You would say, well, what, what percentage of your day do you want to sit down and do something you don't want? Zero. Okay, well, well when you're engineering your life, you're engineering your life to, to, to live for your needs, to, 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 to exist for what would make you happy and what would make you like a, a person who's feeling satisfied and feeling like you're, you're thrilled by life. But that's not what society wants. What society wants is to make sure that you... You, your reward system is going to be based on material items because if it's not based on material items, then we can't make more material items. We want to make sure that you always need the newest, craziest shit. So we're going to get you in a society where you're inundated by visual images of things that are way better than the things that you possess. And your main focus will be possessing those things because they will equate happiness mm. to you. Of course, you'll never receive that happiness because if you did, you'd drop off the game. If having a 69 Mustang was a thing that would make you really happy, always want a 69 Mustang. Yeah. You get that 69. 69 Mustang, yeah. and you'd be good. But it's not. You're done. Then you want a 70 Firebird. Then you want a this. Then you want a that. And you get caught up in this this path of collecting items. This ensures that these items continue to get made. Right. So we're living our lives for this system more than we're living our lives for humanity. The system's tricking us. Fuck, man. That was what my book was going to be about. <laughs> Spoiler! Now, uh, now, now I have to think of something else to uh, write. Is, that is what it is, right? And I mean, that's an articulation of... Right. of we're of, rats on a wheel. It's making yeah. us create itself. There's, a, there's an intelligent life that's waiting to be born out of the, the human innovation. It's all Already born. 
It's already born, and we are slaves of it. That, that's what this book is about. All this talk about Frankenstein and the singularity, whatever. Frankenstein exists. Frankenstein is the economic system that we are enslaved by in order to keep the economic system running. You're right. It's not designed for human satisfaction. It's designed to perpetuate itself, yeah. right? It's designed – profit is the, the, the central engine in this whole thing. And, like, when I see a commercial that says, you know, like, we – you know, BP believes that but BP doesn't believe anything it has no brain it's not a being I don't give a fuck what R- Mitt Romney says corporations are not people my friend corporations are artificial structures that have been set up that have taken on life like fucking Frankenstein monster and they've turned against us and now they rule the world they and the, and they don't give a fuck about the plastic in the ocean and overfishing and the cruelty to the fucking pigs and the industrial farms and whatever else. It, they don't care because they can't care. Do and you, this is the problem. That's do you, amazing. Do you know about Zerzan? Uh, yeah, primitive, uh, yeah, the honor, anarchist. Primitive yeah, anarchist yeah. guy, and he, and he says that this the whole problem started when we began to use symbols to represent life, and then we got confused with the symbols and started thinking that the symbols were life. Were life so that's the big problem is that it's, it's, it's the Frankenstein is that people don't experience reality anymore. They experience, uh, the, they experience the secondhand reality composed of all these symbols that people have made that represent what reality is like the clock clock rec- represents the sun. The clock is the sun. Hmm. We still worship the sun, but now we worship it in this form of like a, a recreation of the, the cycle of day and night that we put into a fucking clock and we worship that fucking thing and it modulates all of society the pulsation of society is all based on the symbolic representation of the periods of light and dark that uh that that, that we exist in that's not the clock is not life life is the experience of being out in the sun and it's going to be there for a certain amount of time and while it's there there's certain things you can do when it's not there there's certain things you can't do but a connection to that light and not to the fucking weird sundial thing on your wall would be so much healthier. And there's so many other examples of these people getting addicted to the symbol of the thing, the symbol. Mm. You told me you loved me. Right. I said I loved you. I said I loved you. Don't you understand that? I love you. Then why are you acting like an asshole all the time? You you know what I mean? You can't say I love you and then act like an asshole. Saying I love you does not mean that you love me. Completely embracing me and, uh, and, uh, and forgiving me and being in the moment with me that's love not some fucking sentence that you said but again once you get caught up in those fucking symbols you're no longer your feet aren't touching the ground anymore let me just finish this uh, this rant (laughs) by saying that the most tragic death i've ever heard of happened one of the most tragic deaths and it reminds me of this what am i hearing the uh coffee maker Oh, this guy in uh, this guy, this recently happened. Did you hear about this? The guy was like wanting to take a picture of the sunset and and he electrocuted himself. Did you hear about this? (laughs) This guy climbed up in a tree to take a picture of the sunset and he he uh, he uploaded the picture of the sunset to Facebook. And then the next day they found him in the tree and he was dead because he touched a power line and he electrocuted himself. Now. If that guy had climbed up into that tree because he was like, oh, my God, this is the most beautiful fucking sunset I've ever seen. And I just want to get closer to it. I just want to see this fucking sunset. 
that would be a kind of mystical, roomy-level Sufi poet death. You know what I mean? He wanted to see the sunset so bad that he died for it. But he didn't want to see the sunset as much as he wanted people to know that he had seen a nice sunset. There's this secondary thing happening. Well, now they there. know. Well, yeah, but you see, that's what we're all doing. Is It's like we're not having sex because we are – some people are having sex because they want to like feel like I, I had sex. Right. You know what I mean? Some people, they don't want to go hiking because they want to be out in nature. They want to go hiking so they could tell people, I'm healthy. I go hiking. You know what I mean? They're not connecting with the thing itself. And that's, that's, like, that's I mean, the problem. I go to fucking REI and buy a bunch of uh, you know hiking clothes and I rarely go hiking. I mean, you know, so branding plays into that. You know, yeah. It's like your identity is you're a camper guy or you're uh, this guy or you're that guy. Whereas you're not living the experience, you're just dressing up as it, you know? Yes. Like, like the off-the-rack hippies we were talking about yeah. earlier. That, you know, and your, your thing that you were talking about being on the wheel and, you know, this this whole rant that we're all on here. Uh, Thank you. Is that... Do you think that's why hallucinogens are so heavily penalized in this country? I, I think that there's a there's always a push and a pull to life. There's always good and evil, and it it, it sounds cliche, but I I really do think that they may be forces of the universe that are what you would say w- w- the way you describe as natural. There's two of them. Describe either one. I think that. We look at natural behavior in other systems, whether it's bees, bizarre behavior like building honeycombs and, and gathering of honey and the infanticide that the, the female uh, bees go and find the other female larva and stab them with their stinger. We look at all these things as just being completely normal, although very complex for these really relatively simple life forms in comparison to us. When you factor in human language and you factor in culture, then then the fact that different languages and different geographies graphic origins and people interact with each other and change each other and all this. You, you have to think of it as natural. I mean, I, I don't see how it could be anything but. And yeah. if I look at it as natural, why, well, what is the thing that's going on universally? If I step away from culture, step away from language, and I look at this objectively, so objectively that I'm not even a human being. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, and I'm analyzing it mathematically. What's going on here? It's making things. It's constantly making things. Not just things, but different things and more innovation every day. But also it's a constantly ex- Sure. The, the process of making those things kills the mother itself. Right. That's, that's universal. The process of making those things, whether it's through coal, whether it's digging into the ground to get minerals for an electric car, whether it's dropping off plastic in the ocean, whatever it is, during the process of this industrialized nation, it's destroying its mother. But it doesn't give a fuck about destroying its mother because what it's trying to do is make something. It's trying to make some ultimate piece of technology, most likely a life form. The word on like, if you talk to one of the people that we talked to when we did that 2045 conference, yes, those guys are all thinking that there's going to be artificial life. It's not like one guy thinks it, every other guy thinks he's a quack. They all think it. They yeah. all think there's going to be artificial intelligence that is so intense and so, so powerful that it's going to be able to be sentient, and it's going to be able to create copies of itself, and it's going to be able to improve upon whatever design it has. So we're the larva stage of yeah, this Yeah, it's alive, man. We just don't think of it as alive because it can't die like we do, because it doesn't have the same issues that we do as far as our body having a ticking time bomb inside of us, an expiration date. So, I mean, do you think tadpoles get pissed off about the transition to frogs? Because, I mean, as a tadpole, if that's what's happening, I don't like this process. 
I mean, the fucking earth was great, man. We're, it's, we're still, it's still great. Fucking it up. It's less great than it was before we got I'm here. I'm not sure. I'm not oh, sure. God, I, I wouldn't man. even want to think about that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you could stop it. I think it is what it is. I think it is nature. I think it's just like getting wet when the rain comes down. It's just one of the things that happens. Well, certainly when Duncan was talking about Zerzan and his idea that symbolic intelligence is the beginning of the problem, I was thinking the same thing. Like, okay, but how do we avoid symbolic intelligence? We are in our very nature symbolic beings there's no culture in the world that doesn't have language you know just get a little closer to the source man it's for example when you say that you've killed a bunch of people uh, accidentally with your robot flying machine don't call it collateral damage call it we killed a bunch of people yeah we, but we i murdered mean people call it you know oh they were the enemy you know it's the same thing but you, you can dehumanize get, them in one way or I, another i think you can get i, I don't I'm, I'm not saying that we all just stop talking and wander around in some kind of like open mouthed gurgling like bliss state you know, but, stay. but second hand meat factory <laughs> yeah i'm i'm saying we 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 zoom in a little just try to get a little closer to the experience itself and then a lot of these things that we think are going to be great which are just symbols like what you're saying a car a nice house all these things these are just symbols so we're seeking to obtain these symbols and forgetting that it's not the symbols that we want it's the feeling they give us that we want and but is that like dragging your feet in the parade of history i mean are we are because joe if i understand what joe's saying it's like that's where we're going so maybe we should just say, fuck it, let's go. Well, just go. I go think ahead. we should enjoy the moment. We should enjoy life. We should be really cool to each other. But I think we don't – this doesn't have to necessarily be a negative thing. I think all of history, as far as human beings, points to the fact that things get better. I think if you go back to the Dark Ages, if you go back – I mean, there's, you know, there's periods yeah. and times where people romanticize. But I say, fuck them. So you, They're crazy. Those you, people are all getting syphilis and fucking smallpox. And there's – See, you no and teeth. I disagree on that. No time. That's a fundamental disagreement. Yeah, I love today. I think this is the greatest time ever to be alive. And I think the internet makes it so. I think without the internet, my life would not be nearly as rich and rewarding. I wouldn't know as many things. I wouldn't be in touch with as many people. I wouldn't be influenced by as many sources. I think so the you, internet is – You're happier. You, you're happier living now than – like the 60s. Fuck yeah. I wouldn't want to live in the 60s. How hard would it be to do a podcast in the 60s? It'd be fucking impossible. <laughs> and they would arrest you if you said half the shit that we said during your commercials. Yeah. You know? All the shit that Lenny Bruce went to jail for? Yeah, Fuck right. that, man. I like being alive today where all the mm. forefathers have already done the work and I, you know, I pick up where they left off. But you're kind of utopian, Chris. You're you're like, but you're like looking to the past. We're all utopians mm -hmm. here. That's the funny thing. Yeah. We just yes. locate it in different places. Yeah. Where are you located, Duncan? The, the utopia? Yeah. I'll tell you where, man. When I'm walking my dog from time to time, and maybe I've eaten a marijuana edible, <laughs> and it's a nice day. Sometimes I'll be, but maybe not. But sometimes I'll be walking my dog, maybe listening to, like, Jack Cornfield on my earbuds or not. But I walk, I walk down by the L.A. River, and every once in a while, man, it's like, oh, this is fucking great, man. And there's no reason. Mm -hmm. It just comes, you know, and it's like, this is it. This is what it's all about. Whatever this is, this is, I love this. That's utopia to me. Now, that being said, I'll be the first in line to get a fucking Android fuck slave robot thing when they come out. <laughs> I'm not telling you I wouldn't have one of those. I'll leave When you say utopia, <laughs> but that's not really new utopia because you're only talking very selfishly about your experience. Not, not very selfishly in a negative way. I mean, uh, self-centered. You're thinking about yourself, enjoying your time with
with your dog. Yeah. I don't mean that in any way negative. Selfishly is the wrong word. Peak experience. Uh, yeah, but yeah. you but you're living in a crime ridden neighborhood. There's poverty everywhere. The government's oh fucking God. you over. We're really? involved in wars. The L.A. River is that a fucking? It's not river? even a river. It's so it's a, a it's a drain pipe. It's a culvert. There you go, friends. Have you ever heard Honey Honey? <laughs> uh, the yeah. L.A. River. Have you ever yeah. heard that song? Yeah. That's a goddamn great song. Yeah, man. I look. It's like I'm not gonna if if I spend all my time thinking about the fucking chemtrails or the 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 the, the fact that there's dungeons filled with people who are just trying to grow stuff out of the ground or if i think about the you know half million at least people have died since the 50s because of the united states government or i imagine that i'm some kind of like hippie lice that somehow gotten into the scales of one of the most horrific dragons that have ever landed on this planet you know what i mean mm-hmm. what's that going to do yeah. Is that gonna? Is that gonna like really like? All that's gonna do is that's just a form of mental prostration to the Antichrist, right? But that's still not saying that this is utopia by being in the moment. But your utopia, your utopia would not be you being in the moment while chaos ensues around you. Your utopia would be the world getting their shit together and everyone becoming in the moment and just being cool to each other. That would be your utopia. Well, and guess who, who that starts right? with you? Yes, it does. That starts yeah. with you and it ends with you, and that's it. It starts with you and it fucking ends with you. Because the Russians invade. Yeah, the Russians. Oh, they're so hot, man. I can't stop thinking about that girl. This fuck. That would be utopia too. The point is, man. You you start with yourself. That's the idea. You work on yourself. You decide. All right. God damn it. It. Whenever I can, I'm going to just try to be in the present moment as much as I can. I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to be here exactly the way that I am right now. Just start there. If you're scared of chemtrails and cops and the pigs and the fucking Satan living under the planet or all this shit, then that's fine. But it just be in the moment of being scared. And I think the more people start doing that and stop looking outside of themselves to try to find some kind of peace, tranquility, something, a, a nutritional bar, fucking testosterone creams, or a goddamn helicopter that you can fly in, whatever it is, the, the more you start believing that the dragon is going to make you happy, the more you're just a little satanic materialist sucking on that black nipple of Baphomet, trying to get another fucking dopamine rush from whatever little plastic configuration you've bought because you think it's going to take away the pain that comes from knowing you're going to die. It does doesn't work. Get into yourself, and then you can really enjoy the stuff. Then you can enjoy the fucking helicopter. Then you can really enjoy the stuff until you like figure out how to be in the moment. Well, how are you going to be happy? If you're not in the moment, then you're not driving in the car you bought anyway. You're off in the future, or you're off in the past. You know what I mean? You're thinking about fucking robots coming down from the sky and a, a perfect spaceship being built by this incredible species that we are. You're thinking about people having these beautiful jungle orgies rolling around in some fertile rainforest surrounded by everything they need. It's like, what about here? This is where we're at. Okay, well, I'm not thinking about I'm sorry, Joe, when I said that, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. You're th- what you're thinking about is like a very beautiful thing that re- that's like Terrence McKenna, the idea of this incredible invention that's about to happen that we can all feel. So I apologize. No, no worries, but I, I, I feel like I try to live in the, po- in, in the moment as much as possible and I fully embrace the idea of a finite life and I fully embrace the idea that it's easy to uh, take friends and loved ones and situations for granted and you should be as, as thankful and as, uh, as gracious and as, 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 as happy as you can. I mean, like when I say I'm a happy person, I'm a happy yes. person because I've been depressed. I'm a happy person because I've contemplated mm. this, the nature of this thing and I'm trying to figure out what's the, to my best interest. 
my best interest is to make a fun ride of it all, you know, the, yeah. and just enjoy it like I'm in a simulation, like I'm someone who comes from a sexless, drugless, muscle carless future who's completely bored by enlightenment and the, the, the everyone's sought nom and everybody to death. Yes. And it's just boring. No one's getting mm. their dick sucked. There's no horrible music they can scream. This fucking sucks. Yes. Justin Bieber exists so that you can get angry at him. All this stuff <laughs> happens so that you have something to go fucking crazy for. They're part of the thrill of this existence is the fact that it's imperfect. Do you think he There's really got smacked? beauty in imperfection. Fuck yeah, he got smacked. You can't talk some shit like that to a fucking professional athlete. What, what's that story? The guy was I... in the Clippers. He comes in with his fucking pants hanging down by his ankles, starts yelling at uh, some counter lady because she wouldn't serve him when he has no shirt on. And the Clippers guy came over to calm him down. He started getting stupid. And the guy's like, what, bitch? Saw what? <laughs> the seven foot tall man you're talking to, Junior. <laughs> you can't fucking do that. That guy, just just the nature, just nature, just DNA itself guided his hand to that boy's face before he even realized exactly. he was doing it. Oh, He's like, I'll fucking kill you. You yeah. better watch your fucking tone, Junior. Is there a video of that? No, of course not. It's probably like a security video somewhere. Fuck, your kid needs a slap. And I would need a slap, too, if I was him. Everybody would. That's an unfair experience. Doing him a fucking favor. It's an unfair experience. Yeah. Being a guy who's that young yeah. and that famous and that rich is a completely unfair experience. We couldn't imagine it. Uh, you have told me yourself how weird it is when people come up to you out of nowhere and you're like, whoa. Could you, and you're a fucking grown man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine being a 19-year-old boy who has never known anonymity, by the way? Plus the money. Oh, staggering amounts yeah. of money. Yeah. Like half a billion dollars worth of money. Right. He has literally unfathomable wealth. He's so fucking rich and so famous that people see him. They can't believe so they're meeting fucked. him. You could, in the back of your head, you could always just think, you know what? I'll just find a, a very small country in South America. I'll buy it. I'll militarize That's it. That's not out of the realm of possibility. That's what I'm saying. He could militarize his own country. Could you imagine oh, if that happens? Why. If he becomes like one of the world's great dictators? It's like we're <laughs> joking about <laughs> Justin Bieber at 19, but Justin Bieber at 36 has a fucking Fidel Castro beard and yeah. mustache. And he's, you know, he's living on the top of a hill, this giant Shade compound. Yeah. He made $70 billion in music yeah. and decided to start his own economy, yeah. running solely on beer. Bieber coins. And they, there's just a trickle of teenage <laughs> girls still coming in on rafts. Just, He's like Genghis Khan. Like everyone yeah. has his DNA. Yeah, exactly. He just fucks them all. Or, or he could just buy a, an aircraft carrier and set it up in international waters. Oh, yeah. I know, I know someone who's doing that, actually. Yeah. They're working on that project. I've seen that. I've seen that. Those guys are going to get killed. <laughs> no one's going to let you set up a country in the middle of the ocean. Everyone's going to go after them. Well, you know, really? they're, they're smart, though. You know how they're starting it. The Green Berets? No, no. That's st- how they should start it. They're starting it as a, as a medical, uh, a place where you can go and get cheap medical care. Ah. And so it's like... It's a separate country. It's in international waters, but they're starting it off like you can go there, get all these, uh, you know, surgeries and blah, 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 and it's cheap, and it's a short flight because you're not flying to Thailand. Uh, you're just flying off the coast. That place would... is going to be surrounded by nuclear submarines just floating exactly. underneath it under the water. They won't even know. There'll probably be 30 nuclear submarines around it. Here's my time. take on it. Military people retire every day. Soldiers, Navy mm. SEALs, Green Berets, Rangers retire and want out every day. 
You scoop them up, give them exorbitant amounts of money and mushrooms, take them through a very thorough training process. You respect them for their service and their bravery and let them know about this new thing you're starting off the coast. And everybody starts from there. You you build up a well-armed force of really cool people right. who happen to have missiles. <laughs> <laughs> and then, otherwise, you're not going to work. It's not going to work, man. The United wow. States ain't going to buy it. Before before we move too far away from utopia, I just wanted to add a little trivia here. Do you know what the word actually means, the roots of the word utopia? I Googled it once, but I forgot. No such place exists. Ah, really? <laughs> Is that what it really means? That's, That's awesome. perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a struggle, though. There's, you know, we I, we were talking about this yesterday. That life is the the beauty in life comes from the ugliness, and that there is a, the the struggle is not just natural. It's essential. It's a really important yeah. part of the process. You appreciate love when you've experienced hate. You know, yeah. I, I remember like having situations at school where like, you know, me and, uh, you know, someone had gotten into an argument or something like that. And then being alone, kissing my girlfriend, like how much more powerful it seemed than this uh, horrible emotional experience of yelling with someone, you know, some guy yelling at me and me yelling at him. And then the difference between the contrast of that, of being alone with a girl and she's kissing you. And it's like, it makes you appreciate it more. Mm. It's like, I think if we were all, beautiful peace, love and happiness. And there was no crime and everyone was super cool and kind. Right. We would, we would just take it for granted. We would be like spoiled, rich lottery winners. We'd well, all we be are. Justin Bieber. I mean, we are, we are in you a know, way. That's where we yeah. are. And I, I remember I had this apartment in Barcelona, my first apartment in Barcelona. It was a rooftop. Uh, it wasn't even an apartment because the way these buildings are made, like you've got doormen who live there. So the doorman lives there downstairs by the door. He's got his kitchen and his TV and hang out and all that but he sleeps all the way up on the roof so they have these tiny little apartments up on the roofs of these old buildings and now the doorman lives somewhere else so they've they're just sort of empty so i rented one of these things no kitchen toilet sink that's it right and a room that was all it was so i set up this outdoor shower like i made i got a a thing from a restaurant where cooking oil came in it or something. I painted it black and put it on the roof of the thing so it would absorb the heat and set up this whole outdoor solar power thing. And um, But in the winter, it never got hot enough, right? So the only way I could bathe was I would... Uh, and I had this little camping stove thing I'd bought with two burners and a little butane thing. And so... Bathing would be like a two-hour process. I'd put on this big pot of water and you know heat it up and then pour that into a bucket and then pour in the cold water and get the right temperature. And then I'd squat over the drain in the bathroom and like do my pits and my ass and everything first, you know, and go through this whole process. And it took hours. Like while it was heating, I'd read and do this. Stuff. And then there was that moment where I've washed all the essential parts. And I've got my hair all, all soapy, and now I just take the bucket and pour it over my head. That, I still I still get fucking goose pimples when I, I remember that moment. It's such an enjoyable, pleasurable moment. Now, you know, I walk in the shower, turn on the hot water. Boom, there I am. It's easy. It's great. But like you say, I don't feel it the same yeah. way. Yeah. Because the process is what makes you feel it. That's right. You know, the, you, you, you enjoy resting when mm -hmm. you've worked out. Yeah. You enjoy eating when you're hungry. Yes. You enjoy sex when you haven't had it for a while. I would tell you about my favorite shower ever. I went hunting in Montana for seven days on the Missouri breaks, the same path that Lewis and Clark took when they were oh, really? discovering just, the West. just recently. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Uh, we were out there, you know, the warmest it got was maybe 30 
was like at noon, maybe it got 30. Most of the time it was like nine, like nine degrees, and we're just chasing deer, and we're sleeping on the ground. We're sleeping in tents, and we're, you know, most of the time we're eating shitty food, and we're, you know, you're, you're dirty, and you'd get sweaty from climbing the hills, and then freeze your dick off because it was so cold out because your clothes would be damp, and then they had to warm back up. It's like horrible, okay, but, but awesome. So six days of that. And then finally we got to Anchorage. Uh, we got back to Anchorage. Successful trip. Had these these deer with us in these coolers. And everyone, like, so thrilled that we'd gone through this crazy experience. And I finally get a hot shower. I'm in this, you know, fucking Anchorage Inn or whatever the hell this shitty hotel is. And it, it didn't matter. <laughs> this stupid, like, weird color yellow tub and shitty shower yeah. curtain. Who cares? That water was hot and yeah. glorious. And just lather and feeling the dead skin scrape off of my body as I rub my balls and my legs and my feet. It was glorious. I took an hour shower. Yeah. Brian Callen was with me. He did the same thing. He said that we both got together. The first thing we said was the greatest shower I've ever had. There in my you life. go, man. That's it. It's like if you fuck every day. Every day, three times a day. You get you get numb to what fucking is. Yeah. Take a couple of weeks off and then be with someone you're really hot for. Isn't this the idea of fasting? Like you guys are kind of it's like fasting, mm. you know, like if you want to like just clean, cleanse your system, go a day without eating and then eat the next day and look how good it is. See, this is why I locate my utopia clearly in prehistory, okay? Because all these mechanisms that we're talking about were built in. Right? Mm. You went hunting every you went hunting when you were hungry. And because people are naturally lazy, you had to get pretty hungry before you'd actually get up and go hunting, right? Unless you just really enjoyed it or whatever. So so hunger's built in. Satisfaction's built in because you killed that thing. You went out and got it, and people are happy. You brought it back to camp. Everybody loves you. You know, all these mechanisms that we're talking about trying to recreate where we can in our lives, that's where they all come from, mm. you know? Right. And so that, to me, that's why... You know, obviously not utopia. I know it wasn't perfect. I know there was all sorts of nastiness, but there was no syphilis. There was no gonorrhea. There was no tuberculosis. All those things came from domesticated animals. There was no tooth decay. Oh, so you're going way back. I'm prehistory. He yeah, has way back. Pre-agricultural. Yeah, right, right. 12,000 years? How long are you going back? Before 10. Yeah, 10,000 years ago was the first evidence of agriculture anywhere in the world. And then it arose subsequently independently in different parts of the Did world. Did they update that at all because of Gobekli Tepe? Uh, no. It, go, that's Turkey, right? Mm-hmm. So sorry, I got to pee. No, I think it's about 10,000 years. Gobekli Tepe is 12,000 years old, giant concentric circles made in stone, 19 feet high. Yeah, and they're not really sure what it was, yeah, a community center. I mean, the, that uh, is evidence that a large number of people were getting together, but they don't know why. Right. And they don't know whether they were hunter-gatherers or, or, you know. Yeah, they actually still assume that they were hunter-gatherers, which is really weird. Right. Uh, but I, I always wonder if that's because they wanted to fit into a specific timeline. Well, I, I think they didn't find any evidence of agriculture there. They didn't find much evidence at all. What they found yeah. is just these stones yeah. and pretty pretty positive evidence that it's all been covered up. Right. We had um, Graham Hancock on the podcast talking right. about it, and he was talking about that they carbon dated the soil. It's it's very unique in that it's uniformly 12,000 years old. So they're pretty sure that 12,000 years ago, for whatever reason, they decided to cover this thing up. Mm. So that doesn't even really say how old it actually is. 12,500 years old, right. 12, 000, right. 13, you know, who knows? But... Um, I think that I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I agree with that those times probably had those reward systems built in. But those things are also available today. But the things that are available today that weren't available then are amazing. Not just medicine, not just glasses, not just computers, not mm. just 
planes, not just the internet. Right. I mean, everything. I mean, f- fucking life is incredible now. Going yeah. to a restaurant, ordering a bottle of wine. All these things are amazing. Yeah. Going to the movies. But getting but a video game. But nobody's happy. Every, everything's oh, amazing. that's not true. I'm happy. No, you I'm, can I'm be happy. Louis Some people C. are happy. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. did, right? Well, Louis is uh, a bit more of a curmudgeon than I am, I think. And, <laughs> and a very funny guy, and I love his yeah. comedy, and I love yeah. him. But... Um, I, I'm happy, and I think you can be happy too. I think most people are unhappy because of the way they're choosing to live their lives, or whether the way they've been stuck in the momentum of the past. They're stuck in this life, whether it's geographic, whether it's the, the, their education, whether it's they have a family to support, they can't quit their job. A lot of people are just stuck because yeah. we make bad decisions. I've made bad decisions and recovered. Some people make bad decisions, and for whatever reason, the circumstance, just poor luck, they don't recover. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of life is a crapshoot in that regard. Yeah. And but I think that there's just as much potential for good life today and to live along those same principles as there were then. You know, why aren't rich people starting their own farms? Why aren't rich people growing their own food? I think it's amazing that I have a neighbor who has a fucking Rolls Royce, but they don't have a single vegetable growing in their backyard. Like, why why wouldn't rich people spend the time to start planting food and, like, developing a relationship to those those needs and human reward systems of the hunter-gatherer that we already have built in? Even if it's just the farmer, the gatherer, that's a deep, really connected feeling when you're eating kale that you grew you're eating that salad that salad tastes amazing see the problem is that that very few people have the the wherewithal whether it's intellectual psychological financial whatever to live in a way that's in uh, conflict with the values of their society Right, mm-hmm. we have all gotten away with great it. way of putting that. Yeah, but most people, you're going down the river; they're not going to swim against that stream. They can't, right? So, the values of our society, as Duncan was saying, point toward all these plastic doodads and all this bullshit. And you're saying, yeah, but people could choose to do something else. And I agree with you. And I think if they choose to do something else, a good place to look is in prehistoric societies because that's where these triggers came from. That's where the triggers toward happiness and satisfaction and all that and nutrition and exercise. But the problem is very few people can do that. Mm-hmm. So when you look at a hunter-gatherer society, those people are living in uh, congruously with their society, with the values of their society. They're in a shamanic society. Mm. They've got these coming-of-age rituals. They've got, you know, people aren't designed to work out, right? We're lazy. By nature, we're lazy. So what works is if your life requires you to walk 10 kilometers a day, Mm -hmm. right? Then you do it. Right. Mm. But if you have to like, you know, I know you're big on discipline and that's discipline's great. It's something I don't have much of. Otherwise, I'd be like a rock and roll guitarist at this point, (laughs) a concert pianist. (laughs) But, um, you know, you need discipline to do that stuff. In a hunter-gatherer society, you don't need discipline because that's just what everybody's doing. That, that's I interesting. I think that's why I, you're happy all the time. I think it's I – th- I mean, not to reduce it. I think you're brilliant, and it, but I, oft, I think a big part of it is you exercise all the time. And, and, and anytime I'm getting all gloomy and fucking shitty, it's always, like, stunning if I just go run five miles how it's like all that shit's gone. Right. And gone. you're like, oh, my God, I feel fucking great. Yeah. Gone. 
Yeah, gone. Yeah. Like it just it just presses reset somehow, and it's like, I, and it bothers me every time in this weird way because it's like that. This is it. Right. What shouldn't bother you? What you just need to run? do is just learn from it. Learn from it, and it's got to be a part of your mind. It's a part of my mind. If I have an issue, if there's something going on, there's two places I go to. I go to the tank, unless I want to smash something, then I go to the gym. And in the gym in the garage, like if I'm annoyed at something, I go to the gym in the garage. I have a heavy bag set up. I turn the TV on. I turn the music on. Whatever I do. And, and I hit the timer and I just start doing three minute rounds until I want to die. I start slow. I build mm-hmm. up a good sweat. And then five, six, seven minute rounds in there. I'm fighting for my life, smashing this, this punching bag. Like I'm going to war, like I'm fighting for my life. And then after an hour of that, dude, it's over. I'm lying there. There's puddles of sweat everywhere. <laughs> I can't breathe. My heart's about to pound out of my chest. And then I stretch out and then I'm done. And you can't fuck with me. Like then the, you couldn't say anything to me. That's going to bother me. Right. It's not possible. There's nothing that's going to like hit a trigger that shouldn't be there. There's nothing that's going to, but until I do that, until I blow all that shit out of my system, until I, I, I feed all those mechanisms that are designed in my body, you build up this accumulated excess energy. This excess energy starts fucking with you and you start thinking about all weird random shit in your life and attaching meaning to things that don't have any meaning and giving, you know, all sorts of credence to other people's opinions and all sorts of shit that really shouldn't affect you at all. But it's because it's because your body's trying to stimulate motion. It's like, go kill that motherfucker. I need to work out. Like, that's what it is. It's like your body's trying to trick you. Man, the fucking guy's talking shit about you, dude. I don't think you should take it. This is what I would do. I'd run up to my shit, fucking keep hitting them until you're tired. You know, your body's trying to trick you to exercise right. those old reward systems yeah. that are built into it. Just do them yourself. Yeah. Do them yourself. For, it's a part of life. Do it like brushing your teeth. You have to brush your teeth. You have to work out. If you don't, you're going to feel weird. Just, just realize that. Know it. Embrace it. And then the other one is the tank. And that's another thing. I think schools should have tanks. People should have tanks in their fucking homes. I'm disappointed in both you fucks. You don't have tanks. I don't have a Especially home. you. You got a new place and you didn't get a place that can fit a tank. You're crazy. I can fit a tank. You're free. There's- you need to get a tank tomorrow, Duncan. You should have had a tank Listen, last year. Song of the Millionaire is what I call no! it. Don't, <laughs> don't make me tell these people how much money you have, you fuck. <laughs> Don't you pretend. No. By the way, Crash would hook you up with one for free, I'm Crash, sure. Crash, if you will hook me up with one for free, I'll... Bye, pay him, you fuck. The guy's got a business. <laughs> me too, Crash. Me too. Support I'm... him. Thefloatlab.com. This I'll have an, fucking I'll... guy makes genius products. I'll have an apartment soon. It's going to need a It's going to need a tank. I want a tank so fucking bad. Why don't you have a tank? You I've don't never, want a tank so fucking bad. I've never even been in a tank. Oh, that's, that's how bad it. I you're, am. You're ridiculous. You, you need to get in one. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. The fact that you're 52 years of age and you have an experience that it's it's one of the most underutilized and underappreciated inventions in human history and it's just too weird for people so they 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 they, they steer away from it you can get the only time you get a, away from the world and away from your own body and into mm. your own mind right. it's the only environment like it on earth but isn't that what you do every night when you sleep no way it's I mean, totally I lie different there. I'm, I'm in my head i don't even know i have a body <laughs> that's you say that but I mean, i'm telling you the experience of no body the experience of being conscious but being in this tank of water that you don't feel floating through the universe in total silence and total darkness. Yeah. It's not something that you can minimize or recreate with a bed. Right. You can get a good relaxation out of a bed. You can get a good feeling out of a bed, but you're not going to get that tank. I just know you would love it. Sorry if I'm overly enthusiastic. Here's the thing. No, it's, it's worth being enthusiastic about because it's weird. That's one of the big cool things you about it. You think it's going to be boring. You're opening not. up this fucking rectangular entrance thing. You open Open it up, and then you like slide down into this like just 
blackness. <laughs> you know, it's weird. It just automatically starts out weird. Like it is. I mean, I, to have a, a tank and then to have like weed and edible marijuana and psychedelics on yeah. hand, you understand it's one of the most, it's like you're sliding into this psychedelic little trap door into nothingness and then you float there and it's really cool. I do know why you like it so much, man. It's fucking weird and cool and uh, and definitely it's a, it's a form of meditation, really. It seems yeah. to be like a, a type of meditation. Can it's you get into the fetal position? Is there enough space? No, you're only going to lie down. Just you, you just want to, you want no body. The problem with the fetal position is you're going to be Floating weird and feeling your, you feel your own body. Yeah. You don't want anything in your body to be touching anything else in your body. Arms and legs spread wide. That's one of the reasons oh, really? why Crash is so genius because everybody was building these really narrow tanks yeah. and you would touch the sides. Crash was like, that's stu- was that my phone? This this Android phone, I love it, but it does weird shit sometimes, man. It just starts playing music <laughs> and I don't know why it's playing music. What song is that? Uh, that's uh, Gary Clark Jr. You ever listen to Gary Clark Jr.? No. You don't know who he is? No. My, my ringtone is Hey 19 by Steely Dan. Not that I'm a pedophile or anything. I just like the way it starts. What was I just talking about? I totally lost the, what the, you The, the wide tank. Oh. Wide tank. He's, Crash builds them six feet wide. Six feet wide and like nine feet long. Like he, he builds them for basketball players. So that you, you get in these things and there's no chance of touch. Even if you do touch the side, you just have to like gently push yourself away from it. Not too much and maybe even stabilize yourself. And then once you get into the center and you're, there's no more motion in the water... You just spread your arms and legs and go flying. And you're actually floating. You're floating. Half of your body is above the water. That's because of the salinity of the water? Yes. Right. 1,000 pounds of Epsom salts. So it's really good for your skin. It's one of the best ways to absorb magnesium. Right. It's actually good for your health. It actually relaxes you in a very real physical way because of the magnesium. It's great for your muscles. So you can't change the water very often. It goes through massive filtration. Oh. Way more filtration than, I mean, he has this incredible setup with ozone and all these... Uh, Come over to my house. I'll show you the whole yeah, setup. Yeah, I'd love to. You, you need to come. You, need, you want, yeah. you can get in the tank. I'll set it. We'll do it one day. Come over the house during the day. That'll be my birthday in. gift from you. Yes, Thank come you. on oh, over. Yeah, come on cool. over. Birthday gift. Um, or you could go to the float lab anytime you want. It's in Venice. In it's Venice. It's the best place in the world. It's th- This guy figured out a way to make these incredible tanks. They, they have oxygen that pumps into the tank while you're in there. So you're getting like this real fresh air. He's a fucking genius when it comes to these things. And he's the innovation that he's done at the float lab it's so much more advanced it's like everyone else is still driving a model t and he's got a 19 you know million dollar ferrari i mean re- really it's it's there's no 19 million dollar ferrari so it's just, i don't know why i said 19. what would that be made out of uh diamonds yeah i guess so. towers. <laughs> <laughs> he, he basically has like the most intricate, the most complex, the most advanced uh, uh, sensory deprivation tanks in the world. These giant, like, freezer doors. Like, when you shut it, it's like, thump. it's like this big, thick metal door. Like, the whole thing is genius. His it's name's incredible. Crash. Crash. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Crash at Float Lab. He doesn't pay me anything. Yeah. I, I, I give that guy uh, all that attention just because, A, he's awesome it's at what cool. he does. He's yeah. a cool guy. I really like him. And uh, I think the sensory deprivation tank business is uh, it, it's a business that's, like, really missing um, uh, a lot of uh, advertisement and promotion. And it's not it's not represented by how awesome it is. What do they cost? They're, they're 
They're expensive. Right? They're expensive. That's, yeah, that's why. Um, a Samadhi, I think, was like I, th- I bought a Samadhi tank first, and I think that was about five thousand dollars. There's other tank manufacturers that are coming onto the market now that are selling them for a little bit less because they're realizing that there's an actual business for this, and people are kind of innovating and taking. Look, for a long time there was no business. There was Samadhi, and that was it. And there was a couple of companies in Europe, but there was nobody that was building or selling sensory deprivation tanks. But since I started talking about them within like the past decade, decade and a half, the business has really uh, gotten much, much bigger. There's uh, many new float places that are opening up all over the country. They send me emails. Thank you for Mm. talking about this. Now I own a float business and I'm benefiting my community. All these people love it. I'm changing people's lives at this place. It's incredible. You you, you get alone with yourself in one of those things in a way that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. I mean, alone with yourself is a good place to be. Yeah, this is the Vice documentary. Well, Hamilton Morris came to my house and then he went to... um, the uh, float lab in Venice. This is him uh, in my basement. We did a podcast and we fucked up because we got way too high. <laughs> way too high. There's no way we should have been talking on the air. Oh, really? We, we were like eight, nine hits deep and just fucking confused. And every sentence out of our mouth was confusing. I'm like, I'm here with this Hamilton Morris guy. It was this psychedelic adventure. Like, we're going to go deep. Let's just go so yeah. deep. That it's, but we went way too deep. We totally overmodulated. That's the podcast, and his voice dropped down to like cartoonish depth. It was it was hilarious. He's a cool guy, very very cool guy. Yeah, did I? I think I told you guys the story about the last time I did a heroic dose of something, and I ended up wandering under the grounds of a psychiatric hospital. You told me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I won't tell that story again. But yeah, I mean, every time I think about like going, for, like let's just go for it, I remember that. That's it why started. you have a sitter. You need to have a sitter. Yeah, my sitter bolted. He, he had <laughs> other I'm stuff out of to here. Do. Fuck this man. <laughs> I'm out for number one. <laughs> Well, I was lying under this tree, like, you know, communing with nature. And he was like, I got to I got to move. I got to move. I got to walk. I got to do something. So he took off. Wait a minute. Was he on mushrooms, too? Uh, Acid. Yeah. yeah, That's not a sitter. Well, you know, we were just a couple of guys, you know, wandering through the woods. Yeah. That's like a guy who's going to be your designated driver, but he's doing heroin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you want your sitter to have a very small dose of whatever you're on. That's like the classic formula is you you have – actually, it's three people. So it's the person who's like taking the dose, who's like there to learn. Then it's somebody with him. Who's tripping with him? Who's on the same dose, or someone who's like on on, on sort of the same dose? And then there's a the sitter. Uh, they compare it to an air traffic controller, hmm. and so he's on a very basically he's the person where you ask him if you're dying, and, <laughs> and he's he like, no. "No, you're not dying." <laughs> But that's that's like kind of the model for it. I love that model. That's super cool. It's it's, but to make that happen, man, that really takes a lot of organization. Yeah, way too much, way too much. And in our case, it was just. I mean, I'm lying under this tree, and I'm I'm like feeling the vibrations of the tree. Have I told you guys this story? No. And so I'm, I'm, you know, it's this beautiful tree, and you know, you're looking up through the leaves and the sky, and and the the muscular branches of the tree, and I'm feeling it and and then i start feeling like 
I can pick up the vibrations of the tree, the energy of the, the frequency. And when I pull my own frequency into alignment with the frequency of the tree, it's like I have a, like a brain orgasm. Like it's just this like incredible pleasure. And I, it's so intense. I can only stand it for like half a second. And then I pull myself out of sync with the, the vibrations of the tree. And then, but it's like, wow, that was incredible. And then I, I go in again and, and holy shit. And then I pull it back out and I keep like going in and out of sync with this vibration. And then like, I don't know, after an hour or something, I'm like so spent, like, okay, I got to get up. I got to move. I got, so I get up and I stumble out from under the tree and I hear this buzzing sound. I look up and there are high tension power lines right above the tree. Whoa. I thought I was like making love with nature and I was getting raped by technology. <laughs> that was the beginning of a bad, a bad experience. I remember this story now. Yeah. Now I remember the story. That's yeah. like the story of how like a supervillain gets made. In a comic <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I became electricity man. Well, the guy who went to take the photo of the sunset or the sunrise, whichever yeah. one it was, yeah. he got electrocuted. But, but it, yeah, yeah, right. But couldn't it, I wanted to comment on that, but I didn't want to interrupt your rant. Wouldn't it be possible that that guy just wanted to show everyone else how beautiful it was and still enjoy it and make art? By taking a photograph? Like, why does it have to be? There's, the reason why he died was that no. he was trying to fucking capture <laughs> no. it. Why there, can't you just experience there's a, there's, it, man? There's, a, there's definitely a sweetness to it, for sure. There's no doubt. And, and he was like a really sweet guy. And and, there, and that's what makes it tragic. I mean, it wasn't all just like, he's like, I'm going to get a lot of likes on this. It was, <laughs> it, it's, it's that combination of, it's just that thing. You, you know, man, something that has stuck with me is when you were talking about your DMT trip once, you were telling me about it. And you were saying how you recognize there's a part of you that's always trying to capture the thing. Do you remember saying mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I can't describe, articulate like you. There's a part of me when when I'm whenever I describe something, I'm not just describing it. I'm also describing it and sound, trying to make it sound good, which gives me a reward. It gives me a, I get a, a, an ego reward for a carefully articulated sentence, which is why one of the reasons why I think it's so when when someone's unaware of that. And they, they speak in such pretentious, self-absorbed terms. It becomes really annoying mm. because you're watching a guy jerk off. I mean, that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And when I was when I did DMT, it was the first time I'd ever realized that everything that I say, whenever I describe anything, it's almost always at least partially flavored by ego because you're trying to describe these things yeah. in, an, in a way that makes you seem cool or in a way that makes you seem smart or in a way that makes you seem like you could turn a clever phrase. Right. And the, 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 the DMT experience wouldn't let me do that it wouldn't it wouldn't let me it it wouldn't let me take any credit for any words it wouldn't let me change them or harm harmonize them in a way that would be more appealing it didn't want any of that it was like stop what are you doing right like what do you, you see what you're doing here like these clever phrases you're doing these 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 orchestrated rants these these you know entertaining as though they may be yeah. you're doing them for ego you're doing them for a little reward you're trying that, to and get you're that. symbolizing them yes right? that's yeah. what, what i'm saying about. man yeah. it's that thing where you're like you're in this beautiful moment and instead of just being in the beautiful moment, your mind is already going to like, fuck, man, wait till I tell Joe about this. Yes, yes, <laughs> this yes, is yes, fucking. Yes. So now it's like you're, 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 you're digitizing, essentially you're digitizing the moment so that you could, you could get the ego boost you get from somebody being like, holy shit, that's crazy, really? Yeah. And, and that's fine. I mean, it's so fun telling stories and relating what's happened, but anything that's keeping you from like, fully fully being there 
Yeah, that's why I don't take camera. I used to, when I was traveling a lot, I had a pretty nice camera and I used to like sell photos to magazines and calendars and shit, you know, and I don't carry it anymore just because I realized when I got more into it, I realized like you're either traveling or you're taking pictures. Yeah. If you're taking pictures, it's not people think like, oh, you're in a beautiful place. Take a picture. No, you got You're in a beautiful place. You say, ah, that's a beautiful scene right there. That at eight o'clock in the morning is when that's going to be lit. Right. If I stand up on the rooftop of that building right there, you have to set it up. It takes a lot of work and that starts to dominate your experience. Mm. And then the sun comes up and they're clouds. So you got to come back tomorrow and the next day and the next day. That's what photographers do. That ain't travel. You know, that's a completely different thing. Isn't there a comfortable medium, though, where you pull out your phone and take a picture of something that's beautiful? Yeah, sure. that's what I do now. Yeah. yeah. But that's like, hey, if I happen across it, then cool. And I get yeah. a little creative. But if it takes more than two or three minutes, just no, don't be I'm the fucking paparazzi, man. I have friends where I feel like I'm around the goddamn fucking pot. They just want to take it. They want to document every moment. It's All like, food. just stop. Stop documenting everything. God damn it. Where the <laughs> fuck are you? What are you? No one cares about this. And like, in in 20 years, we're all going to be slaves to some kind of robot machine god anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about this 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 translating this this cheapening experience in a way by getting too much into the description of it. One of the things I've been toying with, like my editor and friends and and, and people who write emails and stuff, encouraging me to tell travel stories, right? Because I traveled for 20 years. I You're some... good at telling those stories, right? But I. I'm, I shy away from it because of exactly what you were saying, mm. that I don't want to come across as some guy. I don't want to be some guy who's just jerking off over like, oh, yeah, when I was in India, man. You don't I have to worry this. about like, that. You wouldn't. You, first of all, you've lived a fascinating life yeah. and you have these experiences to retell and people love that. They love hearing those. I, I love hearing stories of travel. People Me love too. hearing that. They love I, they love hearing interesting stories. Yeah, I guess. I, it I, gives them nothing but b- pleasure. It's, g- it's a great thing. Yeah, and they don't have to listen to it if they don't want to. I was thinking like set up a separate sort of podcast category or something. Why? For that. Dude, just do it, man. Listen, you shouldn't worry about being pretentious because you're not pretentious you shouldn't worry about being a douchebag because you're not a douchebag right it's like you're just not so you shouldn't think about it like there's but, no but way aren't you not pretentious because you worry about it um no i'm concerned that i could ever possibly someday become so so i will analyze and i will look right. at my what i do but I, i'm out generally my intent is to always go towards the path that's not pretentious i fail we all fail you know we especially when you're ad-libbing and you're trying right. to concoct things whether it's on stage or whether it's in a podcast there's times where it just misses sure your brain fires wrong you're tired whatever fill in the blank you ran into a dead end with the idea that you're on but for the most part my intent is to just relay the information with as little ego as is humanly possible what i'm capable of right Right. And you're, you are so the same way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just going to tell your stories in an honest way and, and tell what your unique experience was. Like, what was interesting about it to you? What was your perspective? Right. Don't shy away from that at all. I don't, I don't know why you would. Yeah. Some people need to be telling the stories. Some, yeah, they're great stories, man. I just don't want to be that guy, you know, at who's the party with, who's always telling the story. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, you'll get over that shit. <laughs> so yeah. back to your, your, your bad show. And this is kind of related. I was, when you were talking about your... You know, that bad After Phil died? Yeah. Yeah. Like, when you're on stage, do you ever... I mean, I guess it's breaking some rule, but would you ever just say, fuck, I'm sorry? 
you know, no, a I friend would, of mine died. I would definitely. I didn't say that to them. Because you'd fuck it up for the other guys who were coming on after exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was, I got to the end and I was starting to apologize and I realized I was just going to make an excuse for myself eating shit. And I just said, uh, I just, uh, I'm in a fucked up place right now. I'm really sorry. And uh, I just brought up the next guy, but I didn't tell them the story. You didn't tell I was them thinking why, of telling right? them the story, but what a yeah. fucking insanely <laughs> selfish. <laughs> the next guy comes on. God. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Massive bummer. <laughs> and it just insanely selfish. Just to relieve myself yeah. of uh, responsibility for my terrible set, I would tell you about this woman who was about to murder her children until the cops broke in. Yeah. And, they, and the children ran away, you know. Yeah. No, I don't think so. But have you ever done that? Have you ever been on stage and, like, just broken it and be like, look, you know, I just... I smoke too much. I don't know if you guys smoke before shows, or I, you know, I got. I I feel like I'm gonna like shit in my pants here. I, you know, have you ever like? I've never had a shit in my pants, but but um, I mean. When you, if you smoke too much, I mean, I've joked around about having a problem because I smoke too much. But most of it is just joking around. Like we've we've gotten on stage high many times, and sometimes I'll say uh, I just need a bookmark in the audience. Like anybody, if I if I feel like I'm f- forgot completely what I'm talking about, I'm just going to point to you and you go tomatoes. <laughs> I'm like right tomatoes, and I go and we'll be fine. But it's more oh, of a great. it's more of a joke than right. anything. But but if there was something where I had to address it, I would just address it in the moment. I would try to address it as, as as honest as possible. I yeah. think you have to. Yeah. If you don't, you're gonna you're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose that connection. If they think you're lying to them, or they, right. the whole thing about comedy is uh, obviously in the in the performance there are jokes that are lies. They're just supposed to be funny, and it's but the intent is never a lie. The intent is always mm. just to entertain and to make people feel good. Right. That's always the intent. And I think if you try to change what what's going on or try to bullshit them, they're going to smell it. They're they're little animals, little sensitive little animals out there in the audience. They, <laughs> they smell weakness. Yeah. Just got to own up to it. What do you guys think about Andy Kaufman? Do you admire him? I uh, we actually talked about him the other day on a podcast. We had a whole podcast. We, we dedicated a whole thing to his bizarre performance art. And I, th- I said that I thought it was a, a really unique way of uh, entertaining people. Like, what he did was weird. But it wasn't stand-up. It wasn't like I don't like to be a purist you know I don't want to be to say that that's the only thing that I think is funny because it's not I I think a lot of things are funny but I think that what he did was uh, really bizarre and unique the wrestling with women and the you know the the getting on stage and singing here I come to save the day like a hundred times in a row it was weird and he was trying things out you know and some of them were interesting or more interesting than others did you see that guy who infiltrated the TED talk (laughs) no no what did you see it that Ted's been trying to get it taken down. A comedian convinced Ted that he was some kind of something or another, and they let him give a fucking talk, and the whole thing was like a giant put on. And About he's, what? What was the subject? Can you look that up? Can we put that? Look, I'm going to. We just have to play this, man. Well, to expri- I, I saw, describe it so you can give, give so it a basically, an Google search. Basically, there's a comedian. I can't remember his name. He, uh, he somehow convinces Ted. That he's like, I don't know, uh, uh, some kind of entrepreneurial something. He, What's the name of it? What's the name of the talk? Um, Sam Hyde is his name. Yes. So he comes out wearing plastic, a plastic chest plate. It's like he's just scamming Ted and he starts doing this like regurgitated bullshit like you hear on the TED Talks. And he's really kind of like he's really like he's really roasting the crowd because he gets them all to like pat themselves on the back. <laughs> but no, man, play it. Play it. Look at this. This sounds like the yes. Man. Oh, watch this. this is but the play, play the intro because, you know, he wrote this intro. Can you start at the beginning? It is featured on television. 
Oh, and he's Indian too. No, that's not him. That's his in- that guy. His work spans every continent and has been featured on television and in print, Discovery, Nacho, Vice and others. He recently returned from Mogadishu, the most dangerous city on earth where he shadowed the heroic El Mahmud women on their quest to clean up the streets and restore humanity to their war-torn country. I present to you Sam Hyde, 2070 Paradigm Shift. Sam. Oh my God. Look at him. Can I have this water here? Is this anybody's? I'm claiming that right there. All right. He walks through the oh. stage here. It's great. You got to see what this guy looks Oops, like, here. folks. We're oh, just getting the audio of this. Back. Oh, good. Okay. So keep that on me. I don't know if you guys can't hear me. That's right. A lot of people are only... Give me like 25 seconds here. ...getting the audio. He's sitting on the stairs. Dressed like a gladiator with a sock cap on. <laughs> it's a weird outfit. Give me like 10 more seconds. <laughs> He's just this doing is, performance art yeah. here. He's pretending that he's a, an awkward guy. Oh, man. This thing. Can we turn this up a little bit so I'm not... I don't have to, like, turn my head into it. Can you... Like, <laughs> how about now? Test, test. Hey, there you go. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. You're doing a good job. Oh, man. Okay. Can we reset the clock so I have another minute extra? <laughs> Please? Oh, this is great. <laughs> this is Thank it. you. There we go. Okay. Hey. I wanted to start sitting down anyway. Um... Guys, pat yourselves on the back right now, okay? Let's do it. Come on. Everybody, I'm not going to make you I'm not going to let you stop until I see everybody doing it. Let's pat ourselves on the back. There we go. You two, you're patting each other. That's cheating. Uh, you you couldn't keep your hands off her, could you? Yeah. Hey, I don't blame you. She is beauty. Hey guys. That pat on the back right there is for saving the worlds. Worlds. World. I'm looking at young minds right now. You guys are all intelligent. I know that you did good in school. I didn't do that. You especially. You're very smart. Look at us. We're the machine that keeps the world going. Okay? I'd like to start this talk off with a parable. A story, if you will. I was at a college... A second tier, not an Ivy League school, a second choice school. And I was in a class, and there was a student in that class, okay? And this, the teacher, he was spouting some horrible nonsense about how it was something about how women's rights are not legitimate, something that everybody knew was false. But if anybody had spoken up, he would have taken extreme joy in failing them, okay? Nobody spoke up. One person raised his voice. One person started talking. The teacher couldn't believe it. The classroom couldn't believe it either. But in the end, he had logic on his side. And at the end of the day, he proved his point. That student was Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> and that same sense of... 
He could not laugh. He's, he laughing. <laughs> He's laughing at his own shit. He's hitting himself in the face in now. That same sense of childlike play. Well, this led, it's, it's pretty long, so people. Right uh, what is his? What is the name of the? Of Sam the, Hyde. Sam Hyde. H Y D E. H Y D E. You know, my TED talk's going up uh, in a week. A week from today, Congrats. my TED talk's finally going up. What happened? Didn't a woman write a book called Sex at Dusk, like refuting what yeah. you say? I got an it, email from her. Yeah, I know. You sent me the what, email. What, 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 what was her argument? Uh, well, first of all, here's how that thing happened, okay? Our book comes out. People start writing reviews on Amazon. Every time somebody writes a positive re- review, within 24 hours, this person, Lynn Saxon, is there saying, no, you don't understand. This book's full of lies. It's full of lies. Like, r- really committed to stamping out any sort of enthusiasm for, for our book. And so after a while, you know, first I think, okay, whatever. People have, you know, right to their opinions, fine. She, but she's like on a campaign. It's like really insistent. So after a while, I think, okay, I'm going to engage with this person and, and you know, just, just so that there will be a record of, of me responding to some of these accusations, right? Because it's not just they're wrong it's that you know he's an idiot he doesn't understand anything he's lying to you 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 know it's like personal ad hominem stuff so i i go in with my sort of aikido approach to things and i'm like okay you know you obviously hey you know this material that's great i respect your your knowledge but you know here's the evidence for this and that and you know we're not lying about that we're not misrepresenting the facts there is this tribe here that we cite and this and that and after we go back and forth maybe 15 or 20 times and then i realize like you're never going to change someone's mind who thinks you're a lying idiot right so i say to her you know i don't know why you're spending so much time here on amazon you should just write your own book <laughs> so so they she did or they wow. did or he did now the thing the reason i keep playing with the pronouns is nobody really knows if this person lynn saxon exists Several people have written to me saying, hey, I've tried to find evidence of this person ever existing anywhere before this thing happened, this book came out, and we can't find it. So I don't know. I personally uh, don't know whether she exists or not. Um, but then there have been like reviews of the book written by people who may be Lynn Saxon. So uh, who knows? Uh, it's it's all very mysterious. You just gave too much energy to a crazy person right there. You just tapped into the vein. I know. Li- but you asked me, you know, so <laughs> there, <laughs> there it is. That's how it works. Yeah. And, you know, and it's weird shit. Like my mother gets phone calls in the middle of the night from people saying she should be ashamed to be my mother. Wow. Both my current and previous publishers have received phone Phone calls from people saying that I plagiarized the book. I'm planning to plagiarize my next book. I mean, all sorts. There's like a defamation uh, campaign. You know, people are threatened. People are freaked out. So anyway, I don't know if this person exists or not. I haven't read her book. I've read some stuff she's written, and I, you know, have seen the structure of the of the critique. Wow. Which is another thing that I'm hesitant. I was thinking of doing a podcast where I respond to this stuff. Uh, because you know, I don't have the time to sit down and write it and make it perfect and go back and, you know, consult the books that are now in storage in my ex-girlfriend's house in Spain. Um, but I was thinking just, you know, respond to it. But again, I don't know whether I, I don't like being in the space of the defensive author, you know, and I don't know uh, if it's even if it's really worth the trouble. 
You know? you, you, it's definitely not worth the trouble. It's not true. You're talking to a crazy person. You, you tapped into someone who needs attention. And once you do that, you give them legitimacy by continuing that. It's a form of trolling, you know. Yeah, you got trolled. Yeah. You got trolled, son. And you're feeding the trolls. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. On, on the other hand, it's, it's hey, it's an honor that someone took the time to write a book-length uh you know, critique. No, it's a crazy person. Crazy person tapped into you because she doesn't want her husband fucking a bunch of chicks. That's yeah. what it is. She's got a fucking fucking assholes. Probably not There's even she doesn't want her husband. That's the problem. If there weren't yeah. so much anger, if it were just a, you know, hey, I think you're wrong about this or that, then I would respond. What is her, her well, fuck it. Who cares? What is the, let's push that aside, but what is the main thing that people are upset about when you say that people call your mother or they con- email someone that you know and get angry, like, or publicist or whoever it is? What is the main argument against you what do they say well it tends to be personal it's that i'm i'm a liar and i'm plagiarizing i mean i got an email from a guy in germany claiming that i had plagiarized a line in a paper that he published in 1976 i don't read german by the way and the line was we didn't descend from apes we are apes he read that in our book oh my god that's a crazy person yeah exactly so that's a that's a scientific statement and it's not even that original a line. And, you know, to think that I read it in a paper that came out in some obscure German journal in 1978 or whatever. It's like, There's no getting away from crazy, man. Yeah. It's out There's there. There's no way. There's no getting away from it. You just you, you can't dwell on it. Yeah. Did you guys see that dumb Starbucks? Yes. No, hilarious. Fucking great. Did you see that? I haven't seen or heard of it. but A it comic who has a show on Comedy Nathan Central. Nathan Felder. He uh, created a new company called Dumb Starbucks, and by the rules of parody, just by putting dumb in front of Starbucks, he's ra- allowed to use the Starbucks logo and sell coffee really? under the name Dumb Starbucks. <laughs> they don't sell it. They give it <laughs> they away. They give it away. Oh, he yeah. released a YouTube video. Did you see his video? I watched him on um, one of the guys, Jimmy, like Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Can you play his YouTube video? That's it's great. really cool because he did a special video from the store at wearing a Starbucks outfit. It's very... How do they give it away? What they... Well, because it's clearly a, a, for the for his show on Comedy Central, which is very funny, which is where he goes to businesses that and, and poses as a business expert and gives them, like... He went to an ice cream store and tell, told them they should have a poop-flavored ice cream. And like, they, <laughs> they do it. It's really funny. Do you guys know the Yes Men while we're yes, talking about yes. that? Oh, they're fucking great. That thing where they were talking about poop turning back the, into cheeseburgers? The Reburger. <laughs> it was the, the Reburger. Burger. Yeah. yeah. You got that thing, Jamie? I was trying to find the official one. Yeah, because if you don't on YouTube, there's all these assholes where you think it's going to be the video, and then it's like some weirdo giving their commentary on it. Those things uh, are yeah, so annoying. Those so pretentious. People standing in front of those the camera and talking about shit. And the one the weird ones are the ones that are like hyper edited. They're edited like every couple of seconds. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. They re- yeah. remove like any dead air. Like after conversation, they make me really nervous. This, yeah. Doesn't happen. There's none of this. <laughs> yeah. It's all quick. It has been getting a lot of buzz on social media. Hold on, you have two things playing at the same time. Located in Los Angeles. Oh wait, we started again. Sorry for By adding the word dumb. Hi. Hi, I'm Nathan Fielder, Fielder, president and founder of Dumb Starbucks, a brand new coffee experience located in Los Angeles, California. By adding the word dumb, we are legally allowed to use the coveted Starbucks name and logo because we've fulfilled the minimum requirements to be considered a parody under U.S. law. We have a full menu including all your favorite Starbucks items, a delicious selection of pastries, and even some music for the ride home. Many of you probably know me as a comedian, but this is no bit or joke. This is a real business I plan to get rich from, but I need your support. 
Our flagship store is located at 1802 Hillhurst in Los Angeles, California. Come in and get a free coffee on me. Just say Nathan sent you. Now they sell it, dude. He's just giving away a free coffee. No, if you they, say they were Nathan. giving it away, and all the and all the write ups about it. They were saying that they were giving it away. Like but there was prices on that board. <clears throat> I read that everything. I read that was that they were they giving. Can't sell it. The oh, they can't I, sell yeah. it. Yeah. Because legally, it's a money-making operation, then they can get a cease and desist. <laughs> so yeah. he's just going to give away muffins and coffee? <laughs> yeah. Well, the L.A. If Health he... Board wanted to shut him down, and he was gonna, he's facing six months in jail because of it. Seriously? Why? Because it, it's illegal to just start selling, selling, quote-unquote, selling coffee. So he's giving it away because of that? So it's a short-term proposition. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, guys. Uh, am I am I still driving the bus? Should we yeah. wrap this up? Well, you can if you want. I mean, it's well, two fourteen. My next podcast not until three, so we can we, we can, can hang out for another half hour. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. Do you got you have more things to talk about, Duncan? You have a rant you've been saving up, and that's why. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell my TED thing while you're re- reloading. <clears throat> my TED talk's coming out a week from today. They finally told me why because the New York Times contacted me. Uh, to, they're writing a story about Ted. The New York Times contacted me about the story, and then I wrote to Ted. I said, "Hey, the New York Times contacted me. Uh, they want to know when this thing's coming out." And then they're like, oh, "It's coming out in two weeks." Of course, yeah. Well, that's what we were talking about before we got off on the Starbucks thing. We were talking about people getting upset at you. We were talking about what is their yeah. what is the plagiarism thing? But what is the other? What are, are there any disputes about the data or the conclusions? Well, okay, or? the argument that that this Lynn Saxon person or people make is essentially. Like they say, okay, our argument in the book is we say humans are not by nature monogamous. Here are a whole bunch of reasons. Some of those reasons are anthropological. Some are from primates. Some are from human anatomy. And some are from contemporary psychosexual research, right? Porn and the way people go to therapists and complain and all this. So the anthropological stuff, what they say is... Okay, we cite all these societies, probably 20 or 30 societies around the world that are not monogamous, right? And part of our argument is that if humans are, if our ancestors were not monogamous, that fits into a sharing economy that we know hunter-gatherer people have and our ancestors have. They share food, they share childcare, women breastfeed one another's babies. And so paternity was not that big of a deal as is argued in the sort of standard evolutionary argument, right? That men want to know that those babies are there so they'll invest in that baby and blah, 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 right? We're saying, well, that's that's a based on a contemporary capitalist vision of economics where you invest in your children because you own the house and you have the diamond Ferrari. But in hunter-gatherer societies, all these things are shared. So it doesn't – why would men only worry about investing in their own children? They don't even know whose children they are. A lot of these societies – practice what's known as a partable paternity among anthropologists, meaning that they think that a baby can have several fathers, right? So a woman who wants to have a kid who's smart and funny and good-looking makes sure she fucks the smart guy, the funny guy, and the good-looking guy to get all their essence into her baby because she thinks that a fetus is made of accumulated semen, right? There are lots of societies like this around the world. So we cite all these different societies as evidence that humans are not by nature monogamous, 
then what the critics do is they go back and they say, oh, but look at this society. You know, th- this society, uh, you know, the women get raped. Or in this, this society, you know, he doesn't mention that a lot of babies die before they reach adolescence and da-da-da. These aren't, you know, utopian perfect societies. Yeah, but we didn't say that. All we're doing is saying these are examples of societies that are not monogamous. Therefore, if you're arguing that monogamy is a human universal and built into our DNA, look at all these counterexamples. Mm-hmm. We're not saying these are examples of prehistoric life necessarily. We're simply saying these are examples of societies that shouldn't be organized this way if monogamy were built into our DNA. So what you're doing is a scientific analysis of the known data on human sexuality right. and culture. And what they're doing is an emotional reaction to what they perceive to be a threat against monogamy. That's how it looks to me. But yeah. that's why I don't really want to get into... Yes. Because it's emotional. Yes. You know, when our book came out, Megan McArdle in The Atlantic wrote a review where she, she trashed it. I mean, she said it reads like horse feathers was her. <laughs> then she said, one of the things she said was like, how can you write a whole book arguing against monogamy, which we don't do. We're not arguing against monogamy. If you say humans are omnivores, you're not arguing against vegetarianism. Right. You're just saying right. it's tough. And this is why it's tough, because your nature is not that of an herbivore. Right. Um, anyway, she said, how can you write a whole book arguing this without even discussing jealousy? Chapter 10 is called jealousy. <laughs> you know, so it's like she didn't even read it. Right. It, it's it. like that's she, emotion. Ah. Oh, that's so gross. I mean, a, what's her name again? Uh, uh, Megan McArdle. She's an economist. Shame on you, Megan. Yeah. Shame on you. There's a, a review bad, bad of Sex girl. at Dusk in the journal, the Chronicle of Higher European. Education by this guy, this guy, David Barish. He says we plagi- He said no. He doesn't say plagiarist. He says we misrepresent data. We don't understand the first thing about evolution. Just like every trash you could throw at us, not a single example. Wow. So it's like, how am I going to respond to that? You know, I'll be attacking a, a sad person. I, I don't want to do that. Right. So, but it's weird because I get a lot of emails from people saying you're not even you don't even respond. Like you, you know, what are you afraid? You know, blah. I'm not afraid. I just don't want to get in that the mental space I'm in right now. I don't like I don't like it. You know, the book's out there. If right. It's true. It's not true. That's not up to me to decide. You don't want to do like one of those debates like between like Ken Ham and the. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or whatever his name was, the creationist and yeah. the scientist. Yeah. I, I don't see how that can really be debated. You know, like I'll debate a scientist who thinks, you know, well, you're you're, you know, evidence of the, about the bonobos is inaccurate. Well, you know, the world's leading expert on bonobos doesn't think so, it, but we can debate that. Isn't that debate kind of weird it's like you're it's like debating with a, a, a somebody who believes in santa claus or something like what yeah but i guess debates like that are important because they get information out that maybe could change people who have adopted fence, false information fence sitters. Yeah, yeah. For, they're important for fence sitters they're important to, for people to consider contrary ideas and then maybe even eventually accept them i mean so how many people have had like really rigid belief systems well before i saw that debate i believed in evolution <laughs> how many people are like that where well, they've had these like really rigid belief systems and then over time many pieces of evidence accumulate and break down their wall and they start to reconsider other other possibilities with religion it's really common Right, it's one of yes. the most common things. I, I have friends that uh, I've talked about them before. They were Mormon for most of their life. Now they're in their forties, and they're like, 
Now what? They they abandon Mormonism. And they're like trying yoga and all kinds of other shit. But it's it's fascinating to watch them. So I like. That's the problem because the the mind forms in the presence of certainty, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's very difficult to take that same mind and exist peacefully without some sort of certainty. They become very um, fundamentalist, even in their 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 thinking about other aspects of life. Like I found yeah. a lot of people that are Mormons or you know like strong Christians, but then abandon it. One of the things they do is they start really believing in the government and really believing in a no non nonsense approach to life they they they, they don't want to consider any possibilities outside of the mainstream ideas they're f- shy away from anything even remotely silly like whether it's psychics or whether it's conspiracy even in the face of overwhelming evidence they'll avoid anything that leans towards government conspiracies or people mm. conspiring when that's just as ridiculous as as believing in all of them believing in all of them is ridiculous but believing in none of them is just as ridiculous believing that people have never conspired is equally Mm. ridiculous but it's a fundamentalist type of mindset so they go from fundamentalist god is protecting you and the bible is his word and you must follow every word of it and then you will go to heaven too okay that's all bullshit you know what else is bullshit pollution you know what else is bullshit this giving you cancer you know what else is bullshit (laughs) they become skeptics they become like a skeptic isn't necessarily an objective thinker right they're, they lean towards skepticism and cynicism almost exclusively. And people will argue that, like, you don't understand skeptic. They get all angry and fucking... They, they, get they do get mad. Very angry when you question skepticism. Because yeah. skepticism is unquestionably important. Uh, don't get me wrong. But there are many people that when they, they pretend to be skeptics, what they really are is fundamentalist contra- contrarians. That's I was what, on a podcast called The Ardent Atheist a week or so ago. Mm. And I found myself in the strange position of defending religion. You know, because the, the host, and really nice people, the, the host says, so we're all atheists here around this table, right? And they all looked at me, and I was like, well, no, I wouldn't call myself an atheist. And it was like I'd farted in church a little bit. You know, and... and they're little kids. They're, they're, they're getting off on using that word. Well, to get out, certainty. Like, we're being... I yeah. don't like certainty. I yes. don't like... I think it's a, it's a atheist, certain atheists, not all of them, certain skeptics, not all of them, have a very surface level approach to things. And fundamentalist has a very surface level approach to things. A fundamentalist takes the symbols of the Bible and believes that's what happened. Mm. An atheist then begins to argue with the fundamentalist interpretation of the thing as literal and begins to say, look, I can fucking prove to you there's no talking snake in the Garden of Eden, I can fucking easily prove that. How's a snake going to talk? How's it, it doesn't have a mouth that could talk. And it's like, don't you realize what you're doing? Yeah. You are believing in the surface level in a different way by yeah. refuting it, where it's like, you think that snake, that story's about a talking fucking snake? Right. You really think that's what it's about, or the Garden of Eden is about a fucking actual garden? You really believe that? Exactly. That's a deep, deep, deep story about what it means to fall out of happiness, or what it right. means to get out of the heart, or what you can there's so many fra- it's a fractal that goes in and in and in but if you want to fucking separate smart people from dumb people create a situation where people who only see things on the surface are going to avoid it 
or misinterpret it and that the people who recognize like shit there's some, there's a there's something in here that's way more than any of these two camps are seeing that would lure the smart people in and that's why when you look at cathedrals and that's why you look at government buildings you see these strange stone symbols carved into those fucking things because there's little they're winks they're winks from the people who like who actually who, who created that those symbols i think you know mm. and those people are the illuminati and i want to join <laughs> just putting it out there, folks. This Duncan podcast Trussell is brought available. to you by the Illuminati, the Bilderberger so, Group. Speaking of certainty, what do you guys think about, in, you know, in light of, of the Philip Seymour Hoffman situation, what do you guys think about addiction? Is it a disease? Do you, do you no buy question. The disease it's a physical. It's a physical addiction. Physical addictions are a disease. I mean, it's an ailment of the body. You think so? Yeah, a hundred percent. There's, there's without a doubt a uh, psychological aspect to it. Without a doubt, and you know, people being impulsive. People, people get addicted to things that are not physically uh, a chemical yes. that you're introducing to your system. But it is a chemical because it's your body in, uh, changing state. It's your mind changing its state of but consciousness. Your mind is based always on always changing state. Right, but you're addicted to a specific type. Type of changing of state, and it might be uh, the dirtiness of going to a peep booth. It might be gambling. It might be uh, getting addicted to a state of risking everything you have on one roll of the dice, and if you win, ah, you and then you get addicted to that. It might be, you know, it might be uh, a chemical that you. An, an extra chemical outside of your body that you mm. introduce. Have like, you heard like Stanhope's joke on addiction, on AA, on the disease? Well, yeah, he says you just, yeah, things you like more than you like life. Yeah, yeah. he said maybe some things are better than life. Yeah, yeah. but that's not true because p- p- people want to quit those things. I mean, obviously Stanhope's just doing a bit, but yeah. people want to quit those things. And you can't, like, uh, Amy Winehouse died because she she got off of alcohol. That's why she died. She died because she quit and her body wasn't ready for it and it went in shock and she died she didn't have any other drugs in her system when she died someone told me she googled her own name like a thousand times the night she died have you heard that oh god that's horrible Worst yeah. night. You're having <laughs> such a bad night. She has three teeth and two of them in her pussy, and she's googling herself. <laughs> that's not a good night. And then you yeah. die. Fuck. A lot of shit went wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrible, man. Yeah, pr- imagine the images of her stumbling out of uh, nightclubs at 5 a.m. You know, in in the, the the dawn's light on heroin, half a tit hanging out of her shirt. I mean, how many of those were out there? There's so many of those pictures out there. I'd much rather so be addicted. So you think it's self hatred? She was. Could be many, many, many things, but it's also a physical addiction to alcohol, which is real. All right. So as we're since we're getting dark and deep here, how how long we should probably have like a pool? How long is Justin Bieber going to survive? Forever. They're gonna. He's going to be the first guy to have the money to be immortal. Yep. And that's when he's going to be the overlord. He's going to merge with the machine, man. You don't think he's going to spin out into Michael Jackson strangeness? Could be. Well, I don't think there's a roadmap. To the territory that he's traveling on, and I think that's a real issue because even the people of the past, whether it's uh, Elvis Presley or Michael William Jackson, Randolph Hearst. Well, I'm talking about famous people who went crazy, um, who were pop stars and idolized. Hearst never Howard had that did. issue. Well, the, he went crazy. Yeah, right? but he didn't have the issue that these guys have. These guys have what I mean by they're in new territory. They have a very specific issue being famous, and that is incredibly weird. Where everywhere you go, everyone freaks out when they see you. They can't imagine it's really you, and they want to touch you. You uh, live you, in a world you that's undeniable. That are you? Have you been in that? 
only at the UFC, but people get over well, it pretty I'm quickly. I'm going to stop you there. Only at the UFC. Once I was walking down the street with him on Sunset Boulevard, and fucking, I've never seen this before. You are, you are the most famous person I ever hung out with, still. And I remember walking down the street, cop cars... As we're walking across the street at the comedy store, cop cars pull in and they're like, Joe, Joe, like cops are stopping <laughs> to talk to him anywhere you go. It's not just the UFC. You're being modest when you wander down the street. Joe, 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 Joe. You just didn't like you didn't get you didn't get puffed up. It didn't seem to really poison you in the way that it like crushes crushes some people. But some people get really freaked out. He definitely has that of that. that mm. thing it's happen. a different thing, though. Like, I can go to the airport, no problem. I go through the airport, it's never an issue. And if people see me, they just say hi. It's not like a Justin Bieber thing. What I'm saying is that his his stardom is almost unmanageable. It's unrelenting. Yeah. The territory that he's traveling on, because of the fact that we live in this era of the internet and cell phones and Twitter, being able to send pictures and videos and video him on your phone everywhere he goes, he's in completely uncharted territory that Elvis didn't have to tread through, that Michael Jackson didn't have to thread through, but he's in the same level of stardom that those guys are in. Or at least, um, but can he just like put on a fucking hat and sunglasses? He doesn't he want to. Of, see, that's the that's he's, the problem. He's he doesn't a boy. Want to. He's a boy. He's a boy, and he's not going through any rite of passage as a man. Instead, he's been labeled a king. He's Joffrey with a backwards ba- baseball wow. hat. <laughs> that's somebody's gonna do that meme and post yeah. that. <laughs> Make sure you. That's what it is. That shit it's not normal for a person. Yeah. You know, when I became famous, I was already a man. I was already a man. That's a big I had uh, been a martial arts champion. I had done very difficult things in my life. I had been a stand-up comedian and pursuing that for a long time where it is a constantly humbling job. You're chipping away at yourself all the time and you're, you, you're constantly assessing your yeah. performance. This guy's just singing songs that somebody else wrote and everyone wants to suck his dick. I mean, everywhere he goes. Elvis right behind you. Yeah. I'm thinking there was this BBC documentary on the Beeble, on the Beebles, on the Beatles. Beeble. The Bieber. <laughs> the Beebles. That's what they're going to call him. The Beeble. Uh, that came out maybe 20 years ago. It was fantastic. It was like a six-part thing. I don't remember what it was called. But they interviewed each of them, the surviving uh, Beebles, uh, and talking about the same experiences. And they were in completely, you know, like George Harrison was in Hawaii and, you know, someone else was on his boat on the Thames and Paul McCartney was in Manhattan or something. And they were talking about the same experiences and they told the same fucking stories, like down to little details, same. And, and they just integrated their stories. And it was so beautiful. And they were talking about when they came to the U.S. and they were like riding that incredible wave and they came out to L.A. and Elvis invited them up to his house. <laughs> so they they go out. The limo takes them up to Elvis's house and they're like freaking out. That's fucking Elvis, you know, and they're still what in the early 20s, I guess. And they go, they hang out with Elvis for the day. And, you know, they played. He had a piano. They played some songs and sang together and hung out, whatever. And then they left. And I guess Elvis was pretty weird already at that point. And they got in the car and they looked at each other and somebody said, I'm so glad we're doing this together because that's what happens if you have to do this alone. God damn, I would have loved to hang out with Elvis back then. Me too. Oh, I would have loved to just be in his presence and see how crazy he was when he was eating like 50 pills an hour. But see, uh, now, if, if you were with Elvis, okay, you're doing a guy karate. who's like been there a little bit, okay? My impulse when I'm around someone who's famous is to just treat them like a normal person. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm doing them a favor somehow. Like, you know, finally, someone who isn't, you know, oh, yeah, Elvis, oh, Joe, oh, whatever. I met Peter Gabriel, 
And I treated him like a normal person, and I think it weirded him out. I feel really bad about that. Why would it weird him out? Well, I don't know. I think he was just like after, because we spent like 15 minutes chatting together, and I never really mentioned his music at all, which I fucking love. And he's like... Why would that be weird? Maybe just because it happens so infrequently. I don't know. But he looked at me like, dude, like, I, I think I creeped him out in some way. And I, I, it, I feel bad about it because he's like the public person I most admire in the world. And I never said, like, dude, I love your music. I, you know, thank you so much for, you know. And I could have, like, mentioned obscure shit so he would have known, like, I really know his work. And I just didn't get in that space. Like, we just chatted about his kids and where he lived. And, you know, like, I, I know a guy he went to high school with. Huh. And we talked about him, you know. And so I just treat, I just dealt with him like a guy. And at some point, he looked at me like, like, who the fuck are you anyway? You know, it was a weird kind of look. And then I just, I just felt strange. Then what I got out of that is that Peter Gabriel is a closet douche. No, See, he's, that's he's a, holding it back. But he wanted you to, he wanted you to worship him. That's a problem with being. <laughs> I think that's probably the problem with being. That level of famous is the interactions that you have with people. They just for you. can't be natural. They're just no. They're just oh, that's you're, crazy. you're having normal interactions with people throughout the day. Like today, I went and got eggs, and somebody uh, brought a latte to me. And you know, if I'd been in a bad mood and for whatever reason said something off, and I'd been Justin Bieber, Peter Gabriel. Then that person, who knows what's going to happen? They're going to call their friends and be like, you know what? Fucking Peter Gabriel came in here mm-hmm. today. When I brought him his fucking latte, he acted like kind of a dick. Yeah. Whereas, like, if I'm in there, there's no t- story about that. It's just another. Th- that's the problem with being famous is that yeah. everything that you do, yeah. if you're slightly off, I imagine, then what can happen is all of a sudden, tweet, 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 ran into blah, 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 the blah, blah, blah. And what a fucking dick. <laughs> it's oh, like, but, but ah, you, And you don't it. even <laughs> have to do it. Someone yeah. can just make that shit up. And there's nothing you can yeah. do. Well, that's definitely happened. I, yeah. I had a, an, an issue where a guy invented uh, a whole conversation uh, in an elevator. We met in an elevator, and uh, it was one of those things you get in an elevator. He didn't invent a conversation. We got in. It was me and Eddie and a couple other guys. We got in the elevator, and uh, I, I guess maybe the guy said uh, hi. I thought if someone says hi to me, I always say hi back. I don't know what happened, but when the guy was leaving, like maybe he said bye. I forget what it was, but there was no interaction at all, and it was definitely not someone ignoring him. He went on this message forum and went off about what a douchebag I am, and I think I'm so fucking tough, and you should see the way I act around fans, and like all this crazy <laughs> shit. I was like, I go, what? Yeah. Ha-? There was this was a complete non-event, like nothing happened, but. And he completely apologized for it after my description of it. And to this day, like he, sometimes he'll post on the forum and apologize for this this one instance where he wrote something on a forum about an elevator. But it's a natural inclination to see someone who's famous run into Justin Bieber and want to talk shit. Like that's the gravity. Like it's to talk shit to go. Mm. I ran into that Justin Bieber. I would have fucking smacked him too if I was in that fucking Starbucks. Yeah. He's a little cunt. Like look at that guy, Blake it Griffin. Happen. It didn't happen. No, Damn it. The fucking world has got no, there's no overlord. There's no God. <laughs> Damn it, I hope he did. I hope he didn't. Justin just doesn't want to admit it. But that's what I hope we he want, man. palm that bitch right in the face. The whole thing's a fucking SN, it's an SN, it's like an SM fantasy story, which is you take this little princeling, fatten him up, get, a, get, get him nice and egotistical, and then you get the, the, the head of the knights to spank him underneath the castle in front of everybody. Yeah. Even like, better, you let him loose and you hunt him down. Hunt him down, let him go. Let just, him loose in the woods. We have decided to let the king go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We will give him 20 minutes. 
scamper king. For one day, you can hunt the king. Yeah. He he dominates 364 days a year, but one day, you get to hunt him. And if you catch him, you become the king. Yeah, but you got to get close. Spears. No guns. Just spears. Guns are too easy. You can shoot some from a mile away if you're a real sniper. Spears. You have to drop from a tree onto him and knife him. Yeah. Drop from a tree and knife him. Yeah. Leave Justin Bieber alone. That poor sweetie. Somebody just get him some acid. He is a kid. Who knows what's going to happen Why don't to him? you invite him to your flotation tank, Jeff? Yeah, he needs a lot more than that. He, But he's, again, uncharted territory. And I don't think that anyone could really appreciate, even someone like me who's experienced being in the public eye for a long time, I don't think I could ever experience it at that level. It's a different kind of level. It's, it's unmanageable. It's way too it, crazy. It, it makes you very wealthy in a currency you can't really spend. Huh. That's a good way of looking at it. You know, what are you going to do with all that fame? Well, for him, he's constantly selling records. And he, yeah, you know, because he, of that, he's got money fucking, he'll never spend. You know, it's, Yeah, but he does spend it. I mean, he buys Ferraris. He lives uh, yeah. this crazy, lavish lifestyle. He had yeah. this... I mean, he's, a, he's, he's definitely doing something with all that money. Gets private jets that smokes weed on him. You hear about that? They're investigating him. <laughs> Because they smoked weed, so much weed, the story was that the pilots had to put oxygen masks on while they were flying the plane. <laughs> Which, I'm sorry, it's I'm on his story. side. Yeah. I'm on his side, yeah. if that's how he's rocking it. <laughs> Can you imagine, man, if you brought down your own plane? Because the pilot's pilot too high. It's I'm okay. freaking out, we're going to the mountain, man. Are those chemtrails? No, that's Justin's plane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Cheech and Chong movie, you know? That's yeah. hilarious. Have you, have you ever met uh, Mike Tyson, buddy, Jan? Yeah, yeah. Really? Man. Yeah, he's a picture of me and him together on Instagram. No shit. Really? It was crazy. He goes, yeah, you that weed dude. Really? You're into weed, man. I've seen your videos. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. He's seen my videos on YouTube. <laughs> he seems like a sweetheart. He's yes, a very he nice does. guy. Very, very nice guy. I, I Yeah. I haven't seen the, the HBO thing you did, but he just seems like... Like talking about a child, Justin Bieber, uncharted territory. Holy yeah. shit, man. Well, he's a guy that, I mean, you want to talk about uncharted territory. He did the one thing that is probably at the top of every guy's list. He became the baddest motherfucker on earth. The number one, without a doubt, baddest man on the planet was Mike Tyson. When he was the running heavyweight champion, when no he was doubt. the reigning king, he's the scariest heavyweight of all time. No socks. I mean, you reminded yes. me when you were talking about those dudes in Siberia. Like, Tyson was just so No walk. In music, man, he would just walk to the to the octagon with a fucking evil look on his face, like an executioner. Just walk, Fuck. walk in, jump under the the rope, yeah. get a towel over his neck, no robes, nothing fancy, wow. nothing, just murder. We're yeah. here for murder, you know. We're not here to fucking put tassels on our shoes. <laughs> I'm I'm coming at you, son. Yeah. As soon as this white guy's done talking, I'm gonna fuck you up. It, like, yeah, within a minute, you're gonna be on it the ground. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's no one could understand the, like the ego behind that or the, the managing that position of power or what it must have been like star wise too because again you're talking about before the internet with very little accountability for your actions mm. because people couldn't say oh my god Tyson just you know did this so you had to like bring in the police yeah. like you know like for order people to get a, a, an accurate reading on what happened to you cops had to be involved yeah. you know like the guy, he had to punch some guy in a Harlem haberdashery Mitch Blood Green and broke his face up and the guy was all fucked up I mean so Cops got involved, so we found out that Tyson did that. But yeah. if it was today, you'd be getting videos all the time of him right. just being on rampages everywhere, doing all the wild, crazy shit that he did. It would, you know, there's some because they were following him a lot. You know, some of him like wrestling with his tigers and shit. <laughs> Charlie Murphy has a great.
great fucking story about going over uh, Mike Tyson's house. And Mike Tyson had a tiger. He, he told it on the podcast. I think somebody mm-hmm. made an animated clip out of it. See, see if you can find the animated clip of Charlie Murphy talking about Mike Tyson. I love podcast. his story playing basketball with Prince. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's a Prince is a badass basketball player. <laughs> and, and he still had, like, the ruffled shirts on and all yeah. that when they are playing. Yeah. Prince uh, is a big chemtrail believer. Really? Oh, yeah. There's a video of him online. And he's, he's in fucking Minnesota, and Chappelle's in Ohio. What's with these guys? What is this? Listen to this. Yeah. When you see a man it is cry, fucking incredible. Cry when he reflects on parts of his life. This yeah. Strong man like that, then you have to realize that whatever was on him was no joke. Yeah, it's incredible. Right? That's a man who one Peace. time I went to his house, and it was five, it was six limos, and nobody would get out the limo. And I said, how come nobody's getting out the car? They said, <laughs> You don't see that lion standing over there? <laughs> Mike Tyson had a lion in his front yard. <laughs> like hangover style. That's the only man whose house I ever went over. There was a lion in the front yard, loose. Wow. And he was on the steps like this with a heavyweight belt. How come the white wants to get out the car and play with my cat? He was like, oh no, man, God. no, that's not a cat. That's a lion. That's fucking oh real. My Mike Tyson had a lion. A male okay. lion or a female lion? That's awesome. With a mane, a lion in his front yard, loose. It was walking, it was off the leash, man. It was not in the cage, it was in the yard. Oh my God! And then he came out and started wrestling with him. And all. Oh my God! Damn, he right. wrestled. How big was the lion? It was big, man. It was a lion, man. <laughs> he was wrestling with a he lion. Came over there and grabbed him and started tussling with him and all that. Jesus! And everybody was in the limo so the lion could come up to a limousine and bust the window open and come in there. I'm sorry. Easy. <laughs> he could just go like this, boof, and come right in there and just have lunch. So everybody was in the car. You couldn't back out because it was all like five limos. So everybody's in the car horrified, thinking that. Mike is getting ready to be eaten by this lion, but that doesn't happen. We can't imagine what it was like to be that guy, to be able to get your own lion. <laughs> who played uh, Who played uh, in, in The Doors, the movie, uh, that actor? Val Kilmer? Fat. Yeah. Val Kilmer. There's a great uh, story. It's from Rolling Stone or Vanity Fair. Um, is it Chuck Klosterman? Uh, what is, uh, it might not be Chuck Klosterman, but anyway, he goes to visit Val Kilmer, and he's got lions. And the whole the story is just hilarious. It's this. It's like he got off the plane in Tucson or wherever he was, and like from the minute he got off the plane, it was just like Alice in Wonderland weird. New Mexico, right? Was he has a ranch in New Mexico? I think so. Yeah, yeah. maybe in New Mexico. Yeah, down there somewhere. He has lions on his ranch. Yeah, lions running free on the ranch. You know, he did that movie Ghost in the Darkness about lions. Oh. You never saw that no. with Kurt, with Michael Douglas? Amazing, amazing movie. Really, it's about these these lions that teamed up, male lions. That teamed up in Africa when they were building railroads out there, and they started uh, teaming up to take out the people, and they targeted people, and they they killed a, a tremendous amount of people, and uh, they made a fantastic movie about it. It was when Val Kilmer Val was sleek and beautiful and had yeah. cheekbones and yeah. six pack, and he looked delicious. I don't know what happened to that dude. He just decided to say fuck, fuck it. it. Yeah. But I mean, how do you go from that beautiful? Do you imagine the kind of pussy that Val Kilmer, when he was doing the Ghost in the Darkness, got thrown at him. It's another one you can't imagine. You can't imagine what kind of a movie star he was. He was fucking Batman. I mean, wasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. he was. Wasn't yeah, he? Was yeah. Val Kilmer yeah. Batman? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's fucking Val Kilmer. And then he became this, like, lard ass. This weird, fat guy. That Like, look at him now. 
He's just still, like he's still getting all the pussy he wants, though. That's the thing. Mm, but they're after they're done, they're like, "Ew, I can't believe this." You know, he does a Mark. Tw- he, d- he does a Mark Twain impersonation thing. Well, I think there was like a movie or something that they were doing. I don't There's think it's come out yet. Yeah, he's doing a live performance where he like comes out with this. Like, yeah, look at that. That's him with the. Oh wow! With the makeup on, yeah. There's a whole uh, thing online somewhere where they detail the makeup process. It's incredible. Speaking of famous people doing weird things, have you guys seen that insect sex thing that um, Isabella Rossellini does? Yeah, I saw that. Have you seen that show? No, it's hilarious. It's re- it's science. It's for kids, and she like wears a grasshopper outfit and like acts out the sex life of a grasshopper. It's very bizarre. That's hilarious. <laughs> very and, how weird. And excellent. Speaking of your, the lion thing, you know, there's a tiger right now in India that's killed like nine people. Ten now. Oh, ten? Ten. <laughs> yeah. It's going up. I've been following it very carefully. I really? got a Twitter feed that re- alerts me when people get eaten by animals. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? No. no. Where is this tiger? Why can't they catch the tiger? Well, India is a really tricky place. There's an area in India called the Sundarbans where they've right. killed two, in, in the past 200 years, tigers have killed 300,000 people. Wow. It's a normal part of their diet. <laughs> It's like a swamp, yeah. right? So yeah. They, the tigers swim through the swamp, so you can't like hunt it down because you, you can't follow it. It's also brackish. The water's brackish, wow. and they think that might have an issue on why the tigers are so aggressive uh-huh. because the, the water is very salty, and that's all they have to drink. And so apparently it's like it makes them really irritable. Wow. Which is fucked. You don't want an irritated no. tiger. That's... Oh, so fucked. They, you know, they're in pain all the time. So they just fucking just lash out and kill people. God, can so, you imagine? But, you know, here's the thing. We were talking about this at the beginning of the conversation about the, the zebra and, you know, animals dying and all that. Giraffe, yeah. You know, there's a, a pretty widely respected theory that animals actually don't die in pain. Have you ever seen, a, like, an antelope get run down by a lion or something? Mm-hmm. When it takes them down, they stop fighting. Yeah. You know? And the idea is that there's a huge release of endorphins at that point. Mm. So it's like nature's way of making it easy for you. Once you're in the grasp of the lion, the panic's over. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. I mean, nature would engineer that because it's not like one day no antelopes are going to get killed by lions. Right. I mean, that is just how it goes. Antelopes get killed by lions, and it would be... Probably most beneficial to everybody if the antelope didn't break the lion's jaw and kicking in and freaking out. So, you know, nature just set it up that way. Which is pretty Slowly cool. but surely. We were talking about deaths. That I remember reading this obituary when I was living in, in Manhattan. So this would be in the mid-80s if anyone wants to look it up. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a surgeon. And he it was an obituary in the New York Times, small one. And he... He was a mountain climber. He loved going to Nepal and Pakistan and climbing these, like, really serious mountains. And he talked about how his friends said to him, like, dude, you know, you're a fucking surgeon, you know? You're, like, so highly trained. Why would you risk your life? You could die out there. And his response was always, yeah, I had this dream. And uh, in the dream, I'm walking on a narrow ledge, and the rock gives way, and I... Scramble and try to grab onto the the ledge, and then I I'm falling free. And I once I realize that's it. I, there's nothing to grab anymore. I turn and I just sail down to my death, and I feel fantastic. He said, "Since I had that dream, I never worry about dying. It's fin- mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm fine Whoa. with it." And that's how he died. <clears throat> wow! Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> It's really interesting. And so I was saying, like, what a great death. Like, the guy who climbed up the tree. That's a pretty cool death, you know? And we're all going to die, so 
in a way, I mean, you've got kids, you know, you don't want to leave your kids, you, you know, you want to sort of like finish the story as much as you can, right? But of course, the story's never finished. And in a way, you know, again, quality versus quantity. It's there, there are cool ways to die and there are really shitty ways to die. And most of us die in the shitty way, you know, struggling, hanging on, you know, tubes up our nose and so on. There's something really cool about about a, an organic death, about getting eaten by an animal, or in my case, stung by a scorpion. I thought it was dying. You know that story. Yeah. You know, and like having that kind of death, there's something cool about that. I kind of hope I do get eaten by a shark or something. And it something. also brings us back to what we were talking about in the beginning. Like, what is death? What is sleeping? You know, what yeah. what, is, what is this conscious state? I mean, we, do you feel death all we can in define. your tank? Is that is that part of the no. tank experience? No, 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 no. Because it's you, oblivion in a way, isn't it? You definitely feel oblivion, but you, you're more, it's more you're alone with your own thoughts for once, away from your body. Mm. That's, that's more of what it is. And then as you become more relaxed and you learn how to let go, it becomes a pretty intense psychedelic experience. You know how they called what they called death in India hmm. when they when when and Ram Dass's guru died. They they say he dropped his body, hmm. which I love that he wow. dropped his body. That's fucking cool because it's like yeah, this thing, this little finger puppet thing, we're gonna like pull the finger out for a little while. Wow. I like that a lot. I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it, whether it's true or not. <laughs> we'll find out. Well, we'll find you know, out. again, we, we don't know if we're the same person that went, went to sleep yesterday. We just assume we are because we woke up and we have this memory of the past. I, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that we have a real good handle on any of it. I think the whole thing is probably way more mysterious and magical than we could ever wrap yeah. our heads around. And that's part of the reason why I think this whole sleep thing plays into the psychedelic state. I think the whole sleep thing, this eight-hour trip into the, the world of human neurochemicals released by the pineal gland flowing through your fucking brain yeah. while it's in REM sleep, who knows what that's all about? I just, why does that even exist? You know, yeah. It's not addressed. It's, it's one of those weird things that you don't get taught in school. You find out about later in life, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your brain makes psychedelic chemicals? And then consider, I, I was listening to a Terrence McKenna lecture, at any given time, approximately half the planet is dreaming. Half the planet's sleeping. Half of our species is in a dream state, hallucinating at any given time. Isn't that crazy? That's, to that's insane. Yeah. We have an eight-hour period that we don't, you know, every night we just we don't know what's happening. Yeah, and we look forward to it, but we're terrified of death. And it's a response to the fucking planet going around the sun. Like, think about that. It's like when that light is on, we're all in this place, and then when it, the light is off, everyone's like suddenly in the deepest hallucinatory experience that you could ever have. Yeah. And that's just how it is. Yeah. Also, one of the things I'm interested in is what has been the effect of fire on the shaping of human consciousness? Because for about a million years, as far as 1.2 million years, every single night, our species has sat around a fire looking into those flames. Right. You know, how has that shaped our consciousness as a species? Yeah. You know? that's, that's the entertainment when you're in a camp. When you're in a camp and you're, you're all sitting around yeah. the fire, especially when it's so cold. It's so fucking relaxing. Yeah, it's great. Oh, man. You cook over it. It warms you. And it's symbolic. Keeps danger away. And when that fire goes out at night, everybody goes to sleep. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. we got to wrap this up. Yeah. This was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, this is Thanks, wonderful. everybody. Thank Thanks, you. everybody listening to these. And we, we, I, these are my favorite podcasts to do. I love them. So fun. 
Yeah, well, well do... I, if if we keep doing them, I will fly to L.A. from wherever the fuck I am awesome. once a month in order to do this. Cool. this is, Beautiful. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah mm. absolutely. Yeah, let's just keep doing it. it and uh, we'll do once a month from each individual uh, podcast. And we'll, we need to name them or at least number them. So this is number four? Is this yes. three? Three? Isn't this three? Yeah, because we did yours first, right? Right. And then Duncan's and now this is Okay, mine. so it was, that was when we decided, when we did mine? That's when we decided, right? So this is the third. This is the third shrimp parade. The right. third shrimp. So well, are we naming like the series or each one has a name? Well, I think each one should have a number. So just so people could reference it. Are, just we, for are simple. we calling it old people in the snow? Uh, three utopians, the shrimp parade. We should probably have a Twitter contest to see what, uh, what, what people <laughs> come up idea. with. And then uh, like about hashtag the, the gals. <laughs> gals will get mad at you, Golden man. gals. Not only does this male dominated privilege ask. Think that he could be sexist on his podcast with no repercussions other than the fucking creative license that he's just trying to be funny. Fuck you. And now you're calling yourself the gals? You can't take that from us. We're the gals. Let's call ourselves the yappy gals. Yappy, yappy cunts. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Three yappy cunts. I have a friend who's writing a book called Moody Bitches. Oh, no. He's in trouble. She, luckily. Oh. And she's a psychiatrist. It's about women's <laughs> hormone changes. Oh, Great she'll title. Be, she'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. She'll get attacked, but she'll be okay. Right. But my God, if it was a guy who wrote that. The thick-ankled women would fucking fall out of the sky, <laughs> landing on him with axes. Do you ever get attacked? Do you ever get insulted with a word that you didn't really know existed until the insult? I always ask. I mean, I, that, someone mean? called me cisgendered, and I was oh, like, "Oh, cisgendered? Yeah, I'm like, cisgender? What is that? Yeah. I didn't know I had email cisgenders. It wasn't verbal. It wasn't. It like, was an email. What yeah. cisgendered means you're heterosexual b- b- male, you're like cisgender, identifying with the gender that you were born with. You're you're a you're like norm, you know, uh, militantly normal or something. I also it's, ah, Napoleon no Shagnon tried to insult me by calling me a postmodernist, and I was like, I got to look that up before so, I get offended. So what? <laughs> what is that? What an idiot! You know, trying to define you by a, his, what's his name? Stupid Napoleon Shagnon. He's the most famous anthropologist in the world. What a silly bitch! Postmodernist. Is his, cool he, name though, huh? Is Napoleon. That, was Shagnon. that what he was really named? Is his real name Napoleon? Yeah. Postmodernist is kind of cool too. Even if, especially if you don't think about it. Postmodernism. Yeah, I like postmodernism. And what comes awesome. after postmodernism? Yeah, know? post postmodernism. Yeah, you kind of like ended the the series there with postmodernist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, how are you going to get out of that? Yeah, an REM song. <laughs> it's the end <laughs> of the world as we know it. <laughs> cool. All right, uh, All right, once a month, you fucks. We're going to keep this going. Thanks. Thank you guys. It was awesome, and thank you everybody out there. Bye bye. Ciao. Said, baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time? Think about your reputation. Your body is an animal 
Smoke alarms will dance into the ground. 